0: isn't real don't don't, don't real. do that to me the game isn't real i'm not in the game right now <laughs> nice try <laughs> patrick utterly spooked by this week's episode scarier than any ghost
1: yeah <laughs> i was like i, was like, I you, you're moving
0: back into that castle with the freak that's more uh that's that's easier for you to deal with than the game. Oh, i would like i see i would befriend the castle freak we would become great friends We would hang out together. We passed that movie on flipping
1: through the channels the other day and I just laughed. (laughs) I'm just thinking back, when you buy a castle, it's coming with a freak. (laughs) I'm sorry, sir. This castle has to come with this freak, no refunds. You're getting a deal on the castle. Why? It's got a freak. You know that's 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 real estate for you.
0: That's true. That's true. that is like what uh, I hate when you're in LA, you know, the housing market is so rough. You're looking for a new place to live, you know, a condo and you know, one thing you have to be careful about nowadays is sometimes they have like a freak in the basement, they have yeah. a castle freak of some kind or or in, you know, in our case like a a condo freak and you just have to I, really <laughs> we found can... The perfect
1: three bedroom in Eagle Rock. I felt like a Duplos brother. I would be living that lifestyle completely. <laughs> you know, we'd be going out for artisan coffee and good pizzas and the, mm-hmm. the neighborhood. Yeah. Some call it gentrification, some call it growth. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But then, what do we find in the basement? Oh, no. Freak. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it.
0: Couldn't not live your your Joe Swanberg fantasy life. Yeah, they making all of my mumblecore
1: money. Hello, <laughs> yeah. and welcome to the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite
0: actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. and I'm your uh, favorite left-brain word fetishist, Patrick Gremion welcome to the academy
1: it's just gonna be one of those simple tests just one of those turn your head and cough
0: kind of deals you know what i'm talking yeah. about yeah exactly you're gonna look at some flash cards you're gonna say what you think you see on them the second it
1: reaches like parallax view clockwork orange territory i would be like why didn't you leave that's a big question why did you just put bail yeah it's taken all day it's taken all day Get it's there. yeah you're you're a busy man. Yeah, you, have a job.
0: You are a titan of business. Factories all over the world. You you, you think Tim Apples would do that? You know, know. <laughs> for when he's like he has to work at the Mac factory or whatever.
1: I will say this: Elon Musk would 100% do it. Oh, he would sit through the entire fucking thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: he, would just, he would just respond to everything with interesting, interesting. Checking yeah. this out. Check, looking into it. <laughs> Ab just covered in like <laughs> dark light like, graffiti and he's just like, yeah, yeah interesting interesting
1: mm-hmm. I, I've proven my point all along i I was the one who invented the fact that we live in games <laughs> <laughs> i've I've got a really great meme for that.
0: <laughs> what a diff shit. <laughs> it's like, hey, he's like, he's <laughs> stupid. He's like posting memes from 2007. I know.
1: It's like, what a what a degradation of our culture when the rich guys just aren't benevolently like evil, like uh, Michael Douglas in this movie is. They're just um online dipshits like everybody else. Yeah. At least,
0: yeah. There's no class. There's no suave.
1: He's not Nicholas uh, Van Horton. Van Houten, Van
0: Van Orton, Van, ha- Van Howden. He's like Millhouse's grandpa, <laughs>
1: Nicholas Van Orton.
2: He's not on
0: Twitter. He's not posting. He's not hanging with Cat Turd. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. He's yeah. on LinkedIn. Maybe he's like being yeah, grud- one
1: of his eight assistants is handling his LinkedIn account. Yes. Imagine being like a billionaire and having all of these people like relying on their jobs and livelihood.
0: And they know that their boss is just
1: a reply guy on Twitter who is just on Twitter all day long.
0: Oh, my God. Like a a guy who
1: like. Imagine any level of feeling safe in your job at all.
0: No, not (laughs) at all. Like a a guy who uh, is just his goal in life, like his biggest dream is to like guest star on like shitty cartoons like he just won yeah. he like more than anything, he just wants to hang out with the guys who made South Park and Pickle Rick. Like that's uh, Yeah, that's
1: like, it's yeah. like I'm gonna get American Dad right by being on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I am gonna become the funniest I wanna be that is genuinely his goal is to become a recurring character on American I, Dad. I know,
1: it's but it is this entire like in,
0: we're getting off really on a tangent here quick
1: but like Mm. this entire like blue checkmark thing not only is it stupid it is stupid for all of the supposedly smart successful people who apparently book sales movie sales bylines job success resume success Uh none of it matters when compared to online success which
0: Uh (laughs) and who gives a flying fuck write a book yes <laughs> like fucking go outside take a hike asshole know, like freaking all of you nerds across the board god yeah twitter is just like a has poisoned a, everyone oh it's, it's rat it's, a, it's a rat island it's a rat yeah. island and all you have to eat are rats that's all it is now it's just a, yeah. and enjoy the rats enjoy them yeah they're good they're tasty yeah they're so, tasty uh, it is um, wild
1: it's crazy who cares like really, who cares if LeBron James has a blue check mark? He's in the playoffs. He's fighting for his life against the Grizzlies. That's what should matter. <laughs>
0: like he's suffering that, against that, Memphis,
1: and, and that barely matters. He got punched in the balls last night in the game. Oh, like, oh my god! Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, low blow. Um, uh, real troublemaker on the Memphis Grizzlies. He's been trying to get LeBron's head a bit. <laughs> Wait, they so punched him in the. ball? like low blowed him like Ric Flair or something like that? <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> what the fuck? he got this thrown like out.
1: You a... got ejected.
0: That's so. That's like honor.
1: This playoffs has found a new strategy, which is if you annoy and beat on the superstars enough, maybe they'll lose it, get thrown out of the game, and then you can win. <laughs> like you know, like, it's like hockey rules get... or something. Yeah, which is about time. Frankly, about time. Hockey. The threat of a fight has made hockey entertaining for the last seventy-five years. <laughs>
0: enforcers and uh yeah goon. there should be goon
1: type people in so basketball it's because i they need to have championship belts for every single sport too yes and the, the championship teams have to wear them to every game and like hold them up and put them in the faces of the other team <laughs> yeah, These are, and, uh they should have the soccer cards for whenever anyone gets thrown out
2: of a- in every
1: single game, like, because those are really fun when the referee Car- pulls out a card and like slams it in a guy's face. That Cards be are every- a fun element. Yeah, that should be in every sport too. Anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> September 12th, 1997, The Game is released Ooh. in the theaters. We're talking about 1997's The Game, directed by David Fincher.
2: Mm. This is another
1: episode of our You Want It Darker, The David Fincher Story. This is his third feature film. Now, Picking up where we left off, seven smash success. He's got the pick of the litter. Yeah, for getting scripts right and left, baby. Stuff being tossed his way all over the place. Kids have seven fever. Seven fever has swept the unit, the international community. Yeah. And so, David Fincher's got a lot of options going into this. Um, Mm. in the meantime, which is. He continues to direct commercials. He slows down on music videos, but he does direct a very interesting music video. One music video between Seven and the Game, which is the Wallflower Sixth Avenue Heartache video, oh. which is a, a very good video, very, very good song. I'll say it. I'm,
0: I like the Wallflowers. I yeah. do too. I do too. They're good, yeah. fun, perfectly perfectly fine. Like, is Jacob Dylan as good as, but like, who can be as good as Bob Dylan? He's, perfect. He's doing his own thing. That's a tough, tough, baby. Tough. Oh, back to sure. LeBron James. His son's
1: going to be in the draft. He's going to college soon. He's going to have to deal with that. You know? Ooh, good luck, buddy. Good luck. Hats off to you. Try your best. You know? <laughs> uh, moderate season, moderately successful father. That's the way to live. Like yes. Not a loser father, but not LeBron James. That's probably <laughs> your best bet. Yeah, live. just something you can build off of. Yeah, something, you know, continue like, oh, my dad's Michael Jordan. Shit. Well, yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll try. <laughs> like, you know,
0: like, <laughs> Good luck, me.
1: Good luck, me. <laughs> uh, so, uh, great, but a strong song, strong music video. I remember it's a very—I don't know if you have ever seen it, Patrick. We didn't watch it ahead of time, but um, kind of uses um, still photographs and kind of morphs them. It's in black and white. It's pretty cool. It's a, definitely like he's experimenting with a few. You know, as we've mentioned before, he uses music videos and commercials from this point on to try out gear techniques and crew mm-hmm. that he can build on and see if he wants to bring them into kind of the bigger projects. Um, also, we should note too, there's been some David Fincher murmurings in the news this week. I should give a quick David Fincher update. And none of this has been confirmed. This could go in the scrap heap of the multiple David Fincher unrealized projects, which we'll talk about throughout as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, He's heavily tipped to be directing the U.S. version of Squid Game for Netflix. Wow!
0: Which, in that... Who knows? Yeah. These,
1: are, these are internet rumors. I'm kind of fingers crossed. Hope he, this never happens. Um, I,
0: yeah, I'll be honest. I never watched Squid Game. It was, uh, it was
1: good. I watched
0: it. We watched it over yeah. a snowed-in Christmas break up in the northwest. It was. It was good. Yeah, I've heard of good things about it. Yeah. I, I kind of like, yeah, there is this part of me that's like on one hand Squid Game is probably good the way it is. We probably don't need another Squid Game in the world. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, if you are going to get like a director to do a weird elaborate, you know, game, movie or TV and series, there, there are he'd, he'd few, be the guy.
1: There are few directors better at elevating pulp mm-hmm. to a really like high classy intense and thought-provoking level mm. than david fincher is and as we'll talk about today frankly with this film yeah um <laughs> he puts that sleaze it would, in a suit it, yeah puts that sleaze in a suit and his name nicholas van orton <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: but yeah it'll be interesting to see if that comes to pass we will keep you updated as always mm. with any any uh, late breaking news when it comes to david fincher and squid game or whatever he ends up on next um he is in post though on his next film so we we do have a new film this year from david fincher regardless which you know we're beyond pumped for but of course we're going back to 1997 26 years ago boy can you believe it sophomore in high school sitting around not going to see the game in the theater thank <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: you
1: despite being no. a despite being a seven head i had seven fever it swept me too the game kind of um you know the movie that kind of came and went when it came you know it was one people saw, some people saw there's a couple nerds who are like it was the best man i love the puzzles <laughs> you know,
2: but, it, but
1: it's it's the
0: forgotten fincher it it, it
1: does um so th- uh, just to give everyone's heads up, we will be spoiling this one today. It's kind of impossible not to because th- that's the entire point. And yeah. we gotta have a lot of ending talk. But it's currently on Stars. Mm. If you have, if you are a Star subscriber, um, I have been in the past, not currently, but um, Stars got great great levels of eighties onward, <laughs> like mainstream American movies. Uh, so if you ever <laughs> like like Heat's always on there, and you name it bunch of stuff like of that nature you can commandos generally on there. movies like that
0: yeah they have a good i feel like they have a good like a uh, catalog compared to uh, similar uh, services yeah um but it's
1: also can be rented purchased through any of the you know regular streaming providers there is a Arrow blu-ray in the uk and there is a criterion collection blu-ray in the United States. I watched it on the Criterion Collection Blu-ray this past Mm. week, and I took a look at some of those special features as well. You know what my only issue is? It has a very crowded commentary track. Most of the key, like, there's Fincher, there's Douglas, there's, uh, I think, Harris Savitas is on there. And while I want to hear from all of those people, Mm -hmm. I would prefer 128 minutes of pure unfiltered Fincher. Uninterrupted, telling us his pros and cons. On yeah. this
0: Yeah, I, I think like it is like it can be tough sometimes with commentary tracks when you have more than one person because I feel like there's it's so easy for people to veer off topic and just yeah. like talk about whatever is happening in their lives or whatever, and it's like, dog, that's not why we want to. Yeah, I remember, I remember
1: this day we had hot dogs on set. I don't care.
2: Yeah. I want to
1: know, like, what you feel about, like, why these choices were made and that kind of thing. You know, Mm -hmm. and Fincher's been pretty generous over his career with doing commentary tracks of this sort. Like, some of them, like, I would recommend the Benjamin Button one. I would recommend the Gone Girl one. I think the Gone Girl has one. But Benjamin Button's is great. Um, The the Girl with Dragon Tattoo, I believe, has one. But then, like, the Seven and... um, the Fight Club one in particular is quite wild because it's him pitting <laughs> Norton, and they're just like goofing, spoofing and goofing the entire way through. Ooh. The boys, you know? The boys are back in town
2: on yep, that the, one.
1: And The, the Nort dog. Yeah, the Nort dog. If you want to learn what their feelings were on the uh, revamped Volkswagen bug that came out in the 90s, that would be a good commentary track for you to
2: <laughs> take a look at.
1: <laughs> um, So, but yeah, it's readily available everywhere. Nice Criterion Blu-ray on that. Mm. Fincher generally does, like Ridley Scott and Tony Scott did, um, care about the physical media mm. release. And he does put a little bit into it. Although, where the, where the hell is that Mank Blu-ray?
0: <laughs> Come <laughs> on, get that Mank Blu-ray get out of here. Get that
1: Mank Blu-ray. So, when it comes to the game, though, the um, screenplay... Mm-hmm. Uh was originally a spec screenplay by two writers, John Brancato and Michael Ferris. Uh, we were just taking a look at them. They've they've done a ton of stuff from the nineties onward. It looks like they haven't done anything since twenty seventeen, but they've done um, you know, you name it. They're both Harvard Lampoon editors of, and came out of Harvard together. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything from they wrote The Net in ninety five. They wrote Terminator Three: Rise of Machines in two thousand three. They were writers on the The failed Halle Berry Catwoman movie in 2004. Oh wow! Uh, Surrogates in 2009. They they wrote um, Don the Dragon Wilson movie, Blood Fist Two. You know they they just working dudes. Uh, Apparently, um, Ferris separately has written a couple Simpsons even. So, I mean, All right. working working writers and kind of like those classic uh, guys, of the 80s and 90s, like idea writers. Yeah. More so You know, like, here's a pitch. They're good at that. Good in the room. Here's a crazy, I thought. And kind of on the cutting edge, too, it seemed like with the net and this one of kind of what was to come in a way. It might be laughable now, but like that was kind of, whoa, this is kind of crazy computers, right? Kind of movies that infiltrated in the 90s
0: yeah like they're they're high they're high concept uh takes on screenwriting were novel at the time yeah yeah and but and you can make a ton of cash on this
1: like there Ooh. are people who are around hollywood right now who sold you know eight to ten pitches or scripts in the 90s if you look them up on imdb they have none of them ever made were made Wow. And yet they have like West Hollywood houses and stuff yeah. like that.
0: You know yeah, if only. Yeah, I guess times have changed.
2: <laughs>
1: times have changed. Yeah, the, 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 the free money that was around <laughs> in the 90s is not so much. I mean, the Don Simpsons of the world who are like doing a rail of coke while like sexually harassing their secretary. You tell them that story about like how the Internet's going to start making cheeseburgers that are going to wake up and become like living creatures that eat people. We'll buy it. Here's here's yeah. half mil. <laughs> you know, you know. Cyber cheeseburger. Here you go. Two million dollars. <laughs> Sounds good. Two million dollars. Go write it. I hate it. You're out. You're fired. Oh, well, I still got two million dollars.
2: <laughs> you know, it
1: works for me. I'm which, Yeah, I'm good. yeah. And so it's kind of it was a you want you. It's a it's a very American way of making money where it's all smoke and mirrors. <laughs> like there is no yeah. <laughs> there is no real like. Hands on like stand sitting outside building something.
0: Like I yeah, don't no do it all <laughs> no, it's just it's all just like vapor. <laughs> but you know,
1: and it's a, yeah, we worship these people as these geniuses, and it's just kind of this like half at like back ass words miracle that any of this stuff ever comes to pass, including this script when we get into this. So script was sold to MGM that year in mm-hmm. But was put in a turnaround and picked up by propaganda films as we all know mm. David Fitcher's company with Steve Golan and the rest of those guys uh director Jonathan Mostel was attached to the project I don't know if you caught his name in the credits as an executive producer
0: that's fascinating because I know that he directed surrogates so they must <laughs> have a relationship with uh they must have Ferris and then must have uh, uh also a,
1: a Harvard grad
0: yeah <laughs> oh and he also he also he also did Terminator 3. Man, wow. That is, that is so crazy. Yeah, interesting. I did not I did not catch that. That is they just yeah, they just became yeah. hot friends. They must have been Harvard buddies. Well, you know, ten guys in Hollywood, as we've
1: always yep. said. Uh Nathan directed uh two very excellent genre pictures though. Uh the nineteen ninety seven, same year as the game, arguably a better movie than the game, Breakdown with Kurt Russell, which is a Ooh. terrific JT Walsh in that one too. Ooh. Um and then U5 U-571, the submarine movie.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, there were a couple nice movies. There was like two. It was like in 2000 to 2002. Like there were like three submarine movies released. It was like mm-hmm. U-571, Widowmaker, and then Below. And it was just like, what was. Why did we have submarine fever though in that early in the early aughts? <laughs> I don't... What, what happened?
1: What happened? You know, there's. <laughs> it's always going to be a boomer who's way into like World War Two history. <laughs> No. That is true. That is true. It's not going away anytime soon.
0: <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean as Hank...
1: long as Tom Hanks
0: is still in the game. Things are <laughs> <laughs> when he's not playing a man called Ove. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was that? that, that man, Ove. Oh. Yeah, he's he's grumpy, I I think. I think it's, that's what, his yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. He's
1: grumpy, but he's gonna learn that maybe not being grumpy is your best mm-hmm. bet. That's a guy um, who the game should happen to. Yeah. So um Jonathan Mostow is attached. It's happening. Kyle McLaughlin and Bridget Fonda are cast in the lead roles. Whoa. Principal photography scheduled for February of nineteen ninety-three. But in early '92, project was moved to Polygram Film Entertainment, and Mostel became executive producer and it kind of
2: crashed. Mm.
1: Um so producer Steve Golan. Gave the script to David Fincher, and hoping he would direct it. Clearly, Golan was like hot on this script,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and felt like this was a real winner. Uh, Fincher dug it, but um, didn't he felt it was a little like surfacey? He liked some of the mm-hmm. twists, though, so he brought in uncredited Andrew Kevin Walker, his screenwriter from Seven, to rewrite the entire script. He uncredited this day, but. And basically, one of the key things was um, tone, making the story work, and making the lead character more, much more of a cynical, darker figure.
2: Mm.
0: All are there. Yeah, uh, you can you can really feel like that 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 uh, paranoid, cynical '70s energy emanating yeah. from this. And feature. I think even
1: like with the score, I was feeling the score. I was feeling even a little bit of like clute or something like that like that kind of feeling to it
0: yeah well it's like i i guarantee it's no uh, it was it was purpose i guarantee you that it wasn't like incidental that peter Donut was like casted as a uh, as michael douglas's like you know lawyer his second mm-hmm. in command the guy for who played the boss in Chi- china syndrome yeah like that's like yeah that's like i feel like yeah there were so many i feel like they're like so clearly trying to like kind of to, to lean into that energy and that vibe yeah yeah and so fincher
1: described it in one sentence what he was looking for um for michael douglas for the character, the lead character uh hmm. fashionable good looking scrooge lured into a mission impossible situation with a steroid shot in the thigh from the sting that was his vision wow what? And then uh, he explained that this movie was different from others because movies usually make a pact with the audience that says, we're going to play it straight. What we're going to show you is going to add up, but we don't do that. In that respect, it's about movies and how movies dole out information. In Adam Naiman's book, David Fincher, Mind Games, he actually does explain that this is a, like, his thought is that this is a movie about movies and how movies are structured and designed. And Ooh. I even joked at the end when they get the bill, that it co- the bill is the exact same price as what this movie cost to make. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> when we watched that. it the other night,
1: because it does feel like like each like so like there's that bit where like those guys storm her house and the machine guns are go- like there's no difference in costs and kind of design and how the designers of the game do it than a director would and like a producer would in putting together the budget to do like an action set piece.
0: Oh, yeah, well, and, like, the ending feels like a, uh, like, the, what's it called, when, like, it, like the movie's over, we're having the party, like, the... Yeah, the rap party. Exactly, yeah. it feels like yeah. a fucking rap party, because, like, <laughs> but... especially because, like, you, you go into that one room, and, like, everybody's there, and it's like, yeah, it has to be.
1: But I also feel like if that, if you want to live with that reading, that this is a movie about movies... Mm-hmm how boring of a movie. <laughs> I'm not into
2: yeah. that
0: movie. I don't want to see that movie. I want to it's, get lost in a movie. I don't want to think about making movies. Yeah, I want to... I'm 100% with you. I want it to be like... Yeah, it needs to have some sort of reality to it, or else, yeah, it's not fun. Like, it's like on the just, yeah. flip
1: side, like, when I was watching Ford versus Ferrari, I mm. leaned over to former guest Graham High, and I said, oh, this is a movie about movies. But... Mm because it is it's about geniuses who have a studio ford and their executives god who are trying to tell them don't try don't dream don't do this thing. and like they're like fuck you we're doing it anyway cuz we're geniuses <laughs> and but it worked because you care about them like winning the race there's like a race that like, kind of yeah, them, like yeah no race <laughs> in
0: the game there's no there's
1: no, uh... no no and there's not like Another big influence on the game that is unspoken, but it's there, is the Wizard of Oz, mm. and it's kind of this journey to go, what's behind the curtain, and
0: there's nothing behind the curtain
1: in the game. Wow, you yeah. know, the Wizard is a smoke and mirrors. The <laughs> Wizard,
0: <laughs> the Wizard is uh, a guy with the world's most annoying T-shirt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, who, who paid? Who paid some?
1: Who paid a bunch of people to do it for him? Who do, actually doesn't even pay for it? He makes. The, the loser pay for it God. <laughs> all right so uh but fincher in general sees this movie as a film about loss of control which actually i feel is a much more personal take for david fincher i think he's like that's a more interesting thought on a personal filmmaking level is like from the ultimate control freak how mm-hmm. to present your greatest fear <laughs> a complete loss of control
2: yeah oh. <laughs>
1: and, which is interesting i like that and i think he does a great job presenting that. You were
0: clearly spooked. By hey, yeah. Too. Oh my god. I, it's like, it is such a, the idea of, like, um... I think it's like, yeah, it's like the... Uh, I guess it is loss of control, but it's almost just, like, an uncertainty. Like, an like having your reality suddenly become ambiguous, and yeah. not being able to, like, determine what is game and what is not game. Like, I, I like... You know, I'm not a reality and, uh... and... Fiction are not like peanut butter and chocolate to me. I need to have them separated. I need to have like <laughs> I need a layer. I need a wafer in between both of those things. And to have that suddenly taken from you is just like such a nightmare scenario for me, which, for which, sure. Which,
1: but also, which makes this movie so intriguing and makes the first mm-hmm. let's say hour fifty-five minutes, mm-hmm. hour and fifty minutes, hour and two hours because it's one hundred twenty-eight minutes. Let's call it two hours. Yeah, of this movie. Very, very compelling. But you also like. I don't know about you, but like the last twenty minutes before they get to the roof, you do get this like kind of sense of dread. Like,
0: how are they gonna like cross the finish line here? hundred percent, because it's just so they they blow it out so much. Like the yeah. the extent of uh the extent of the insanity is so like wild the extent to which the game the, the intricacies of the game are so all-encompassing that you get a little nervous because it's like i don't know how how do you land this how do you like yeah how do you like how do you justify so much being a part of this thing which yeah. is why yeah Which how is which it going, I, how is this going to be satisfying how exactly. are you
1: gonna give us something give us a satisfying like God. Like, how are we going to give one final like amazing twist
0: yeah, to like it is,
1: put us over the finish line here?
0: It, it kind of reminds me of like a great like a great improv scene with great heightening that can't find. It's like, yeah, like, I feel like there's a lot of like improv uh, bits where like um, it's like I don't want to do X or whatever. And they're like, do X, do X. And like so much of it is just like. Trying to worm your way around doing X or like building, it. and then and it's always difficult when you inevitably have to do X. Like yeah, like it's so yeah. hard to show the X like without it being kind of a letdown. Mm-hmm. And like uh, in general
1: too, like a puzzle movie like this, it's the like I think like the pleasures and satisfactions come from being like a team member and solving the puzzle rather than like an emotional satisfaction right and in general i like i'm not a huge i find those movies a little intellectual rather than um little stifling yeah a little like i want to like you know you know me i like a vibes movie i like hanging out with hanging out with my friends and just feeling things out like a you know like like i consider like a hong sang Soo movie a puzzle movie but it's a puzzle in how he's going to, like, take – where where he's going to take you. But you know emotionally you're going to be invested because for they're sure. human characters and that kind of thing. Like, I remember, like, the puzzle I want, I guess, is more of a visual puzzle in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, when I saw Roma for the first time and I saw he was doing those, like, pans, like, for almost every shot across, like, oh, that's interesting. Why is he doing like, – like, the formalism – interested me more than just trying to solve like a puzzle and make myself I guess sometimes I feel like it's like it's like to make the audience feel smart mm-hmm. when they have to yeah. solve a puzzle
0: I'm with you. I don't like um, as interesting as those can be on occasion like yeah like I like a good puzzle here and there like uh, I, there I are I feel exceptions
1: like... to there are clearly exceptions so i are oh, uh, not uh, making a blanket course. statement there but
0: yeah but like but I agree with you I think for the most part like when something becomes overly like when the crux of the entertainment is trying to solve like this intricate plot and, and, you know, and, and the dialogue suddenly becomes like exposition, ridden, yeah. And it's like, okay, this is like all the moving pieces. Now here's the, here's the room. Here's, here's the Rube Goldberg machine. Enjoy. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'm with you. It kind of loses me. I, which, which is why I think my favorite part of the movie is like when he kind of like loses everything yeah and like he it almost like reminded me it's so funny that's where like the movie kind of loses like the um parallax view paranoia for me or like the or even like conversational and it becomes almost like hardcore where suddenly it's just this guy who has nothing to lose yeah Who will do whatever it takes to like achieve like and and that's like so compelling to me when like you push someone to the edge and it's like okay what does this guy do now that he has nothing and he thinks that like you know when the game has gone too far for him or whatever.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think um and I think Fincher learns these kind of tools and like learns the balancing act and is able to like bring in because he's never gonna be a sentimental guy. There's always gonna be an edge. Like a hardened cynical edge to his work. Yeah. Uh but he has learned about kind of like what I would call is like I think he's really good at it, and I think seven actually already has it is kind of this ironic ending like the twist in seven being ironic that oh it was here all along we are the actual pieces in the chessboard right the final pieces the the, um the ending of the social network where it kind of reverts back to that opening conversation it turns out the entire thing was about him feeling rejected by that girl Mm -hmm. um the stuff in Gone Girl, all the way through. It's all about like dramatic irony, about like, oh, like, who 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 are we aligning with? Oh, it turns out that these two like ghouls belong together. Yeah. And this guy is now stuck in pur- this dope, this dope is now stuck in purgatory. Mm-hmm. Like that's like real like, or how in Zodiac, you know, it's just like, oh, is anything so? you know, you know, all of these like great moments or even like the 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 sadness of like the inevitability of death in Benjamin Button. Yeah. Which is Benjamin Button is three hours slog to death is what wow. it is. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and all of that's really interesting. And I think like and he, you know, he has mentioned that he does not feel this movie gets there. He I guess uh, we should get into some of the broader details here, but one of the key things is on this one. This movie is produced by Steve Golan and Sean Chafin. Sean Chaffin is David Fincher's wife.
2: Oh, so this is Her
1: first producing credit. She is a lead producer on every other Fincher movie, the rest mm. way through. Uh, his closest confidant, clearly, and yeah. um, you know, definitely like someone he can trust. To handle things when he's in director phase, and apparently she, from almost the jump, was trying to dissuade him from making this movie.
0: Interesting. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's 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 a tough, it's a tough nut to crack because it's one of those movies where like inevitably the ending is gonna be, it's never gonna be, it's so difficult to create a film like this and have the ending be satisfying. Where like I mean, it's you like can,
1: it's, you can sit around in a writers room with like ten people,
0: like how what is the best
1: move? to, like, satisfy everyone with the end of this movie. And you and I actually will, when we get to talk about the ending, we'll pitch out a few. We've come up with a few yeah. of our own, even, because <laughs> th- because it's inspiring. Like, I would have wanted to be in that room with David Fincher and throwing out ideas.
0: Yeah, because like, it is, I, like, and it's a fun
1: playground. Like, they're yeah, having... Oh, yeah, it's, a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah, like, and you could see why Fincher, you could see why Steve Golan, you could see why Michael Douglas all were attracted mm-hmm. to this. Like, there is a movie here. You can even see why there's like there, there's 80... there there is there was and there is a movie here. This, this still remains like this is a good time. This movie, yeah. like for I, it's, I it. it's flawed, but it's
0: good. I enjoy it, and and I see why there's like a, a cult behind yeah. it as well. Like there is just like a um, it's just like it's a fascinating. It's a the the, the it's it's appealing. This level of intricacy is just inherently appealing. Appealing. It has a great. Poster too with the puzzle
1: pieces on Michael Douglas's head falling apart and a great tagline: "Players Wanted." Good stuff that intrigues me. I want to see this movie. Yeah, <laughs> I want to play this uh, game. So here it is. If you we've talked now for quite a bit of time about kind of walked around what this is, story of the game, quickly. Uh, Nicholas Van Orton is a wealthy, selfish lonely investment banker in san francisco a titan of industry but a total asshole who lives alone Mm -hmm. in his mega mansion eating a cheeseburger on his birthday by himself
0: the worst cheeseburger by the way it is so funny like for a guy who is such a like you know wealthy like his cheeseburger suck like the the the, the onion (laughs) is way too thick it's weird i
1: know and yeah, and raw onions no thanks, not for me on yeah, a cheeseburger.
0: Yeah, homie, get a smash burger. Like, when I on, am, then.
1: when I am visiting with our neighbors to the east and in business meetings with them, and I'm presenting them, as the American custom goes, with a pocket cheeseburger, <laughs> grilled onions, please. Yes,
0: no, that's see, that's like, see, yeah. is it tough
1: in the? Is it tough in the pocket of my Armani suit? Absolutely, it's not good. It comes yeah. out very squishy and kinda it's a mess. You're gonna need a fork. Yeah. You need a knife and a fork and some napkins to eat it. But I guarantee you the taste is there. Visually it might not um might not be appealing in any sense. No, not at all. It's, it's been in my pocket for <laughs> yeah. four, five hours.
0: Yeah. 12, 12 hour flight on this plane from from yeah. california to tokyo <laughs>
1: and i've just slapped it in your hand in in, in lieu of
2: handshake like a compl- <laughs> yeah,
1: see, did anyone even listen to our rising sun episode yet yeah, we still care about that bit
0: immensely <laughs> it's such a funny bit it's good it's a good bit and I, so I want to just start doing this to people. I, I, I am, like, this close to going to, like, McDonald's and just buying... Presenting a burger as greetings. Yeah, it's like,
1: salutations, sir. Salutations, here's your burger.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> a burger for you. A burger for you. It's the customary American <laughs> burger. So, Nicholas is clearly lonely. Um, It opens with a great evocative credit sequence as David Fincher became his trademark we talked about it in 7. This one is home movies of him and his father that seem sad. Um I mm. I've never seen the show but I guess Succession totally rips him off. It's yeah. the it's the exact same title sequence.
0: It's like such a it looks like it's so weird how like the, the title sequence is like practically the same and then like the uh just like the energy of Sean Penn's character and Michael Douglas's characters are very, they feel very succession-y. It feels like Succession took a lot from this weird, Again, which is crazy. like
1: David Fincher's influence, yeah, is really large. Lo- like everyone saw who saw these movies in the '90s who wanted to get in the film industry, seems to have taken a smidge. Like he, his, his vision is like, however warped or however, it's there. In so many things, we've talked about it with seven. It's there with this one though too.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. This seeps. Yeah. There's like that. Oh, that that whole like you know uh, hand camera aesthetic of the of the intro sequence is just yeah. It's but still also, felt
1: also the general his visual style, but all, but also his his very methodical storytelling. Mm-hmm. The kind of which I think TV is actually. Like, this would be a good TV show. Like, if oh. you want to remake it.
0: A hundred percent. This is one of the few things where I would like to see. Like, because then you'd get a little more time to, like, like stew in the crazy world. Imagine if it's this show lasted, like, five seasons. Yeah, And he's just in the game for, like, five seasons. I'm sure it's been pitched around. So, oh. Nicholas Van Orton is completely lonely. He
1: gets a phone call from his estranged younger brother, Conrad. They meet mm-hmm. up for lunch. Things are already... And David Fincher does such a good job of this. Uh already feel a little off kilter. already yeah. feel a little s- strange. Mm-hmm. Um And Conrad, who is his near-to-well brother, he's drunk on the beaches of Ibiza, um, wow. presents his brother for his 48th birthday in classic Michael Douglas fashion. He's playing younger than yeah. he actually was. Uh yeah. A voucher for a game offered by a company called Consumer Recreation Services CRS. Can't remember shit. Um, <laughs> uh, though skeptical, he is, he is interested. And he goes mm-hmm. to the CRS office to apply. And what follows is a trip down a Borges-esque rabbit hole of insanity.
0: It, oh my Excellent. god, that is such a great, yeah, it is 100% like a Borges, like, or Borges uh, short story. You may have been
1: right there, by the way, in your pronunciation, you know, medicine, know. you know.
0: Yeah, maybe it's Jason Borges who wrote it, I don't know, we'll find out.
1: It'll be very interesting. Crystal Lake Serial Killer,
0: <laughs> yeah. really, like, visionary, futurist author. <laughs> yeah. He had a lot of interesting takes on the Falklands War.
1: Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. Bomb them. Bomb them all.
2: There <laughs> no, go. J- Jason, it.
0: no. <laughs> Margaret Thatcher's here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Jim Broadband's doing weird uh, racist ghost dances.
1: <laughs> what a film. What a movie. Man, love it. Ba- a- the Iron Lady. Wow. God,
2: heaven for, yeah, an, an earth, yeah, an earth
1: that. <laughs> see these arms, see these scars. <laughs> 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 so, um,. And that's basically, you know, and what follows is just a series of continuously like spooky, scary action, sometimes action, sometimes just like red herrings all over the place. Who could be Mm -hmm. trusted? Everyone seems like they're a little off whoever he meets and Mm -hmm. slowly but surely like this man who has his entire life is based on control emotional control financial control you know you name it Mm -hmm. he's thrown into a complete spiral throughout and it's it's a a, it's a thrilling setup and set pieces follow
0: yeah well and it was it's interesting too is something that's like kind of like background radiation for all of this is that um his father like uh, passed away at an untimely age like he yeah yeah, and that's like he fell off of, or no, he didn't fall off. He, uh, you know, turned He died by warning. suicide. He, so he died by suicide, yeah. Also, uh, got us, I, I told us to Don yesterday the guy who plays Michael Douglas's father in this movie is the current the voice of Mario. And you know what <laughs> I thought it was? I thought it was Michael Douglas
1: under makeup. That's what I thought too. I did too. I was convinced. I was like, oh, that's cool. That guy looks just like Michael Douglas. <laughs> like like that guy. Like yeah. You. Yeah
0: apparently a young Charles Martinet, the guy yeah. who does the voice of Mario, was the guy like in these Michael home, Douglas. Is a guy in these home
1: movies. So, um, that's, you know, right there. Michael Douglas plays the role of Nicholas Van Orton, our leading character, a uh, you know, tailor-made for Michael Douglas. This is mm-hmm. right in his, you know, down the plate, right yeah. in his wheelhouse. Um, and, um, so I guess that they approached. He was approached immediately to star. He was hesitant because he didn't think um, Polygram was a big enough company to distribute the film. He was concerned about how big of a movie it would be because he's a movie star,
2: you
1: right? Know? But then, of course, this is like I'm hearing all the time from friends. You know, putting together a movie, it's a chicken and the egg scenario. Mm-hmm. You can get your budget for your movie if you get a movie star to sign on, but a movie star will not sign on to your movie unless you can't promise them a budget for the movie. So you have to lie to someone. (laughs) Like basically you have to to bet on it. Like it is, is such an interesting thing because like you have, but basically like no one in Hollywood wants to be the first to say yes. But once someone does say yes, you can actually get the dominoes to roll relatively quickly because everyone is spineless. Mm. And you no know, there for as many gamblers, degenerate gamblers as there are in Hollywood, they're actually like completely like safe like economic like accountant nerds too. <laughs> like balancing yeah. the charts on that. I mean that's how they pay for their gambling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you need someone as our man McConaughey once said, to put a little skin in the game. <laughs> and like, have the guts <laughs> to do this thing. Um, I don't know how these things ever happen, it's very scary. But w- once you get like a star to say they're in it, like, I mean, if you get, you know, we talked about our beloved Russell Crowe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You, you know, I heard, I don't think he's talking out of school in line at the new Beverly. Somebody just brought up, like, oh, if you pay him five million bucks, he'll be in your movie, like, today.
2: Mm.
1: and he'll do a good job he will come he'll be a pro he will rock and roll he'll give you what you need but his rate is five million bucks minimum where do you get five million bucks but if you get him you're gonna get another like 10 million bucks from other investors because like we can sell this movie yeah so it's like yeah he's like that valuable even today god
0: that is so crazy because it is like, and I guess in a way I am kind of glad about that because that's how you maintain like cool, interesting actors to a certain. Because I feel like I'd much rather have a movie kind of be um, star oriented than like IP oriented.
1: Oh yeah, me too. Absolutely. Yeah, me like hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah.
0: Like I'd rather like yeah, like I'd rather have like. Uh, yeah, that money going to like a really cool entry, like, a you know, like a uh, an Austin Butler, or like one of these up in or a Paul yeah. as opposed to like a, uh, you know, a Star Wars or a no, Star Trek or like, whatever. It, with those
1: guys, like, I don't know what they're doing next,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: if they're in it, I'm like, oh, it's going to raise my interest. I'm yeah, like, oh, I'm going to read about that. What's that going to be? What is that going to be? That sounds like it's going to be or even like Sandler. He's in it. No matter how stupid it is. Yeah. I'm going to, like, press play. But if Sandler's in, like, Morbius... Actually, I would probably watch it.
0: Too. I would watch that. I, I would watch
1: would... it, too. Never <laughs> mind. Oh, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I,
0: oh, by the way, I watched... Uh, I, I think I told you this, Don. I watched Billy Madison for the first yeah, time. Yeah, okay, sidebar. We got to hear about your Billy Madison. <laughs> Love, movie's good. I hear <laughs> I take. Movie's good. I like... Tommy Boy, I think, is a better... I like the persona. I think Billy Madison... I think, like... There's only so much Sandler. I need to, like, water down my Sandler a little bit.
1: Billy Madison is an agent of chaos. Tommy Boy has
0: an emotional arc. Yeah, he has a heart. Like, Billy Madison is such an evil evil being. I (laughs) guess I save the day. (laughs) Yeah, he's like a tulpa. He's like some sort of demonic. He's a dibbic. He's like this. He's this entity that haunts his father. (laughs) <laughs> although super funny that he's constantly running over ro- rose bushes in the beginning it is what a- the entire movie uh, we, I it, I've seen it
1: hundreds of times I think it's the only <laughs> movie I've ever watched twice in a row when I was in college at our college house we were on Saturday having beers in the middle of the day we watched Billy Madison on video it finished and my roommate goes want to rewind it do it again like yeah,
2: <laughs> we did it again.
0: It's insane. Like... <laughs> insane. I, I love it though. I love it. That's insane, but we I never, love it.
2: Never had the colors to this day. I like look at. It, I'm like I'm, I painted the
1: duck blue because I've never seen a blue duck, but I wanted to see a blue duck be blue. It's a beautiful blue duck. <laughs> like...
0: <laughs> I think it's like once you I think for me it was like the first first 20 minutes of the movie. I just wanna send I wanna just hunt Billy Matterson most dangerous game. I wanna drop him in a drop him on an island. I, I, want, almost, I want the I want the plot of the pest to happen to him. Every
1: moment of it, like every time I see a bucket, I think of Norm MacDonald suggesting so wanna get that donkey donkey real drunk. Maybe later. Okay, I'll go find a bucket. <laughs>
2: Even with Jack
1: Nicholson being in the news, I was like, "Hey Billy, who would you rather bone, Meg Ryan or Jack Nicholson? Jack Nicholson now or 1973, <laughs> 73, Meg Ryan." <laughs> <Come on. laughs> Sorry, folks. It was like it's imprinted on me. I saw it in the theater, and it was just like the still, still this day. And we were all joking with the baby. we were like, yeah, "She's gonna find this movie funny." Because Jen, and I
0: find it so fucking funny. It's a funny movie. It is. I think once you realize that, like, oh, you don't have to take it. It's like, it's like, it's like a, it's like McGruber, where it's like, yeah, this character. It's the joke just, is that this character sucks.
1: It's just a crazed movie. Just, yeah, like utterly crazed, and them just throwing like their best twenty nine year old Adam Sandler ideas at the wall.
0: Oh yeah. Oh well, like the oh god, I do love the O'Doyle O'Doyle rule. Like the just O'Doyle, O'Doyle rules. The chris farley's
1: insane bus driver
2: and that's <laughs> that
1: shot of them where do our lunches go and him and norm mcdonald just like chowing down at all the, that kids is... lunches. <laughs> the if piss in your pants is cool consider me miles davis
0: <laughs> that is such a good line so uh, oh man this is so funny anyway okay we're back we're back so they should the game billy madison okay i'm
1: done yeah like Sandler in the game would be very funny. It, like, that's your comedy pitch, if Sandler... Yes! Played. Yeah, that's your comedy pitch. Uh, come, coming then, soon. Uh, coming soon, that's a good idea. So, um, the game, as we mentioned, the script was right re- They had the script prior to the Seven script. In kind of the propaganda house, he he was going to make it, but then um, basically what happened was Brad Pitt became available. We mentioned it previously, he had that window of time that to make Seven right we want him came top right so they make seven so but then the success of seven basically brought the producers more money for the game which helps Mm -hmm. the michael douglas thing that we just mentioned because everyone's like oh now we have a hot hip director coming off of one of the hottest hippest craziest movies um so that brought it all together 1996 Cannes Film Festival, Polygram formally announces the stars of the game, Michael Douglas and Jodie Foster. Wow. Fincher was a bit uncomfortable um, with a star of Jodie Foster's stature at that point in 1996, two-time Academy Award winner, you know, major, mm-hmm. major star, in kind of this smaller role because uh, she was going to be playing... um. sister to Nicholas Mm -hmm. in that iteration so Fincher pitches that they're going to rewrite it to um, Jodie Foster play Nicholas's daughter and do an entire different angle there which is very very interesting although going back to our friend Michael Douglas and his (laughs) insecurities on such matters he did not he wanted it to be her, the sister rather than daughter. Cause he did not like the idea of Jodie Foster playing his daughter.
2: Oh my goodness. <laughs>
1: Despite the fact Jodie Foster finding that fairly peculiar because Michael Douglas is almost 20 years or senior. Uh. And they had appeared in a movie called Napoleon and Samantha together when she was nine and he was 28. <laughs>
0: it is another classic, uh, Spencer Tracy, uh, The mountain situation where it's like, yeah, it makes no sense that these people are uh, too
1: too far apart, too far apart, you know, and
0: and, and,
1: you know, the we we have a little bit of fun with Michael Douglas and his good security. being as old as he is, (laughs) you know, know, he wants to be a cool guy. We talked about it in Black Rain.
2: Yeah, he Uh, wants to be
1: the the cool motorcycle man, cool motorcycle man. But, mm, you know.
0: That's not the role you're meant to be. You're you're you are your character in the game. Like that's like that's your wheelhouse, buddy. And that's not bad. That's a fun wheelhouse to be in. You get to play a, a suave rich guy in a lot of movies. That's fun indeed.
1: So um, there's a lot of differences of opinion. And then uh, Jodie was cast in Robert Zemeckis' film Contact, which led to scheduling conflicts, so she could not appear in the game. When she left, the role was offered to Jeff Bridges, which groovy like, i would like that that's would, good <laughs> not to say that our man who got the role is bad because he's actually quite good
0: i think he's actually a better fit for that role yeah. than uh um yeah but, but I, I think 100. I'm, I'm just intrigued
1: yeah i'm intrigued with it but uh jeff bridges declined and sean penn was ultimately cast as the younger brother conrad um yeah. Later, Jodie Foster alleged that she and PolyGram had orally agreed that she would appear in the film, and when this did not transpire, she filed a $54.5 million lawsuit against the company. Whoa! Who knows? I don't know what happened there. Crazy. Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, and then, um, as for the rest of the cast, um, the third lead of the film is Deborah Kara Unger, who plays the role of... We'll talk about that in a bit. Mm, question
0: mark? Question mark?
1: Um, uh, she at that time she was an up and coming young Canadian actress, mm-hmm. uh, and her biggest role to date was in nineteen ninety six. The year prior to this, she was in David Cronenberg's highly interesting, highly fascinating, highly controversial Crash.
0: Wow, she's she is a great like it is like a huge bummer that we you don't see like Deborah Kerr She kind of like her um output uh, sort of declined over the years because she is like such a unique. I feel like there's like a blintiness to her as an actor yeah, that I like, like a lot too. of comparable uh yeah performers don't have. Like well, I think that she has is um
1: if she come up in the forties she would have been mm-hmm. in like a dozen noirs yeah a character like she's built <sighs> for it you know she would have been a hitchcock character too which is you know hitchcock one of the key david fincher influences especially mm-hmm. in this movie very Hitchcocky in picture too um hitchcock would have figured out the end but anyway mm-hmm. she would have fit in in one of those kind of movies too she's also in the very interesting mel gibson movie payback but you know has continuously worked since mm-hmm. this but I'd argue she's
0: probably most known for this in Crash. Yeah, she she was in uh, Emilio Estevez's The Way. That's an. Have you ever seen that movie? That's a fun movie. I've not seen that movie. No, it's like a very uh, just uh, about a bunch of guys walking in Europe. It's a very I'm it's film. very I'm Fascinated
1: with Emilio Estevez, tour But oh. yeah, conversation maybe future
0: another, future, conversation future for another day. Don't tap uh, don't tap me with
1: another miniseries within a miniseries. And I guess that uh, her audition for Christine was a test reel consisting of a two-minute sex scene from Crash. And uh, both Michael Douglas and David Fincher were a tad perplexed by this audition reel. <laughs> like, but, but when they out. when they met her in person, they were impressed uh, enough to cast her in the role. Also, in the movie is... Um, Patrick mentioned Peter Donat plays Samuel Sutherland, uh, confidant to Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Academy Academy hero, Hall of Famer and God James Rebhorn plays Yes Heingold, the face of CRS.
0: There's another. Um, we also get another. There's another. A. Uh, there's another Academy Academy Hall of Famer, I believe, in the. Uh, oh my God, what's his name? He's like he's one of the Serpico cops. Is in it too yes um
1: oh uh god he's in midnight run too um yeah. oh i know there? oh we're, we're,
2: we, can
0: we're, we, can we can do this, this. we can <laughs> do this
2: we're we're
0: flubbing it right now aren't we oh, oh no you, is... can, you can't you can't even see jack, it on wikipedia jack kehoe jack kehoe. yes jack kehoe yes. is well, he is, no he, he might a, not be it
1: he's not a hall of famer but he's certainly a favorite He's a favorite. He's like, yeah, he's the good cop in Surfer. He's like the one other good cop in Surfer. Also in the movie, though, Mark (laughs) Boone Jr. With us on Seven. Yeah. Uh, But a bunch of Academy Academy stuff this year. Uh, As I noticed on my Letterboxd, he's in my Top watched Actors
2: group thus far for this
1: year. I could, yeah. um, He
0: got into, like, the... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, he, he got into, like, for some reason, like... Bencher and Nolan, like he's like a he's like the John Ratzenberger for like a lot of these guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. Looking at my watch list, he was in um he's also in Die Hard 2 and Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. So those are the among the movies I've watched this year with Mark Boone Jr. Tommy Flanagan mm-hmm. from um Gladiator. Oh, he's so good. Uh but there's so many interesting folks just kind of on the outskirts too. So I don't know if you caught Spike Jones as one of the EMTs at the end of the movie
0: no is in I mean, it i love i love that uh the cinematographer harry savides he cameos as the guy who needs toilet paper yeah what a great little weird kid i love how like that's like probably the one person that wasn't in the game at all yeah this poor bastard that didn't toilet paper and yeah stall. he was yeah. a
1: he was a legitimate guy yeah. um, <laughs> armin mueller stall is in it Ooh. he's always good wow he's old Ninety-two years old, ninety-three wow. year. I didn't realize that he was that old.
2: Good and,
1: actor. Uh, yeah, good actor. A lot of good stuff. A lot of fun stuff. Um, Carol Baker plays Ilsa, his um, live-in maid.
0: Oh yeah, that was an interesting. I was trying to figure out what they're. Doing. I guess she's just like the, like the family maid. I guess.
1: Yeah, and she's in. Um, I mean, my God, like. She's in, like, she's the titular baby doll in Ilya Kazan's baby doll. She's in Giant with James Dean and Rock Hudson and Elizabeth Taylor. She's in this really interesting movie called Something Wild, not the Melanie Griffith one. Uh, oh, and, not
0: the it's not the demi one. Okay. No.
1: She's in this movie called The Carpetbaggers from the 60s, which was a big smash then. She's in the greatest story ever told. She went over to Italy and did a bunch of sexy Giallos in like the Ooh. late sixties, early seventies. Do you have a box set on? Um all the way up to she's in kindergarten cop.
0: Wow. Like, like she plays the evil mom in kindergarten i saw um was it linda manns is in this too she's like deborah yeah that she's
1: well she's she's the girl in days of heaven yeah which is crazy you know i mean
0: like yeah this this is a stack. also i think i'm wrong but i could have sworn there's like a scene where like michael douglas is in an elevator and he's going up and i and I swear to God, the guy next to him looked like Bruce Willis. Like I, I could have <laughs> thought, I think that's 100%. He is 100% not Bruce. I think it was just like a random. I was just like, for I had to like go on like IMDb and be like, was Bruce Willis have an uncredited cameo in the yeah. game? But it's, it, it's filled. Like
1: you mentioned earlier, it's so well cast. It's filled with interesting faces and names and stuff like that. Like a lot of people. Even like, yeah, when Linda Mann shows up as um, Deborah Carr Unger's roommate, you're just like, oh my gosh. It's yeah, how she's such a haunting like figure of movies to me because you know I've mentioned before days of heavens like my favorite movie mm-hmm. and it's just like yeah it's so interesting just the entire thing um but yeah so uh amazingly put together cast um so the movie should also know it takes place uh, very very tellingly in San Francisco some mm-hmm. You know, and San Francisco is such like a groovy city to shoot yes. movies in. You know, like, you know, there's a whole history of it. And I think this movie kind of mines that history a bit. Mm. In particular, Vertigo um, sticks out to me. But also, um, and, you know, we'll get to kind of Venture's Bay Area. Venture is from the Bay Area, and I think it really comes to pass in Zodiac later on. Yeah. Um, but the other movie that I was thinking the other interesting note is Michael Douglas' breakthrough role as an actor was on the TV series The Streets of San Francisco, in the nineteen seventies, mm-hmm. where he played a detective. And I, I think all of that's kind of at play here. Um Fincher considered um Chicago and Seattle as other options mm-hmm. for the um I guess there was studio pressure to shoot in LA, but Fincher wanted um he felt that uh A different city given a further dynamic to the um you know get more specific specifics as we've talked about in kind of our tony scott right um, Apps too
0: well and i I think like san francisco there is like this is like such a specific like flavor of san francisco that i feel like we don't now especially now that like you know tech has like invaded that city there is like you forget there is like this like classier Almost like it feels like old money side. Yes. The same, yeah. Like, the, like which, these, uh, all these, yeah. which is
1: what, how he described it. He mm-hmm. felt like the financial district in San Francisco at that time did have an old money kind of Wall Street, but not New York kind of vibe to it. For which sure. he was looking for because, um, you know, he wanted and basically I guess, Chicago got dropped because they didn't have adequate mansions like an adequate mansion for him to live oh, in. Love that. And then uh, Seattle got dropped because it didn't have an adequate financial district mm. or um, which is true as a born and bred oh. Seattle, man, uh. <laughs> Seattle head myself. Um, but Fincher knowing the city, being a barrier guy himself was able to really move around and find some really groovy, cool locations oh. all throughout. Um, there was a, the historic, uh filioli mansion which is uh in woodside california which 25 miles away from san francisco stood in for the van orton mansion um so now it should be note like my opinion perhaps the all star of this movie is harris savitas the cinematographer (laughs) of the film yeah law oh just you could eat off of these images.
0: <laughs> like, it's so, it's so good. Well, and it's like what I love about it too is like there are these so many moments where like it feels like he's shooting, like he reminds me of like um when uh superficially it reminds me of like um like the work of like like Joseph Kosinki or something like that where like I think Joseph Kosinki, he had like experience in the past like that director like mm-hmm. I think in the past him and like um I don't know if Claudio Miranda uh well I don't know if you caught it. it
1: Claudio Miranda was the gaffer on the game.
0: Really? Yeah. That is fucking fascinating. That's really cool. uh, Man. Fun got- heads up for Fincher heads out there.
1: Read the credits for his earlier movies because he actually, unlike many other filmmakers promotes from within.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah. And like, and it's like indicate and, you- and- that's interesting, too, because, like, David Fincher, his influence is not only... Maybe it's part of why he's so influential is because he, like, you know, fostered all these, like, you know, he planted the, he planted the seeds and they sprouted these, like, trees.
1: I think it also, too, is that if you get on his wavelength,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, I think that some people, in particular, actors have had trouble with his wavelength. But I think tech guys, if you work as hard as him, if you meet his standards... hmm there are no other standards to hit, and you bring that to other projects, and you're impressive on other projects by holding yourself to the standards that he taught mm-hmm. on his films. Like he doesn't compromise; he doesn't. There, there is nothing substandard on his movies. in any tech department. Yeah, everything is good.
0: Oh, for sure. Everything is
1: of the highest level. There's Um, nothing, nothing is half-assed on his movies, and he prevents that and sets a tone with that with his own work, which I believe is the right way to do things.
0: Yeah, which is why why even when, like, the scripts don't, like, work all the way, like, the movies still feel incredible because, like, like, it's like everything he can control... He controls to a T perfectly, and like yeah, like the, the in terms of just like quality of product, like there's yeah. no 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 sh- no shortcuts are made in any capacity. Uh, the point I wanted to make too oh, yeah. earlier was that the, with the Kasinski or whatever, it's like like you know I think that guy got his start like directing like sales commercials and stuff like that. And so like you can see that influence in like, you know, uh, from Tribe Legacy all the way up to Top Gun, like the glossiness of how everything looks, that aesthetic everything feels like and like what's so great about Harry Savitas is he he takes that like aesthetic almost, that whole like Zales career, because it's like they're constantly filming in these like really fancy yeah. You know, the type of places where, like, you know, in a, you know, a guy gets on his knee and, like, proposes to his wife or whatever, but he makes them so unnerving. Like, it is yeah. like an evil sales commercial. It is very, like, it is, it's like, there's, like, the, it's, like, kudos to how, like, uncomfortable he makes these, like, very classy uh, country club locales feel. Yeah,
1: and Harris of course, came up in the same realm mm-hmm. as, uh, David Fincher. He was a cinematographer on such music videos as uh, Michael Jackson's Scream, Madonna's Rain and Bedtime Story, Fiona Apple's Criminal, Nine Inch Nails Closer. Um, wow. He did R.E.M.'s Everybody Hurts. Uh, yeah. like He's a real talent. <laughs> re- he was a real, real talent. He shot the, previously for the show, Juan Kar The Hire mm-hmm. uh, for the uh, BMW series that we talked about um yeah and you know down the line i mean if you look at his work we could just go down a few here um of his really gorgeous and diverse set of films Mm -hmm. the yards with james gray jerry elephant milk restless last days with gus van zant birth with jonathan glazer wow Get Americans Gangster next week, mm-hmm. Ridley Scott, um, Zodiac again with David Fincher, Margot at the Wedding in Greenberg with Noah Baumbach, Somewhere with Sofia Coppola, and The Bling Ring with Sofia Coppola. Um, absolutely phenomenal. One of the greatest cinematographers, unfortunately passed away quite young, oh,
2: that's died, of br-
1: died of brain cancer at the age of 55 in 2012, um, but an absolute king. Yeah. Like. And it's, it's all here. If Seven kind of begin the tone of David Fincher's highly controlled, highly slick, motivated camera movement style,
2: mm-hmm. this
1: elevates it even further. The only thing that's missing here, which he and Harris Savitas actually crossed the board boundary on in Zodiac, is his very digital realm. This is still a film shot on 35mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, film he um they but they also um apparently used a printing process called enr which gave the night sequences an even smoother look it's all smooth everything in this movie is like elegant Mm. i love it i know some people feel like they want that like if you look at harris's work with gus van zandt like the elephants in the last days of the world that's very raw very edgy handheld like in your face realism um i think i've you know, my tastes tend to lean toward the the slick Venturian style. Yeah, like I like that cold. I like that you know, kind of feel I no, to I, it. I like.
0: I like, I like that's it That's all I personal
1: like... preference. There's no better or worse. Clearly.
0: Oh no, for sure. And like, and don't get me wrong. Like, um, I remember when like the handheld feel felt novel. Like there mm. was that time, like you watch like a Blair Witch, or then you like see like a. You know, or like another movie, like a movie that is like even more higher, more Mm. higher budget than Blair Witch, where it's like, oh, wow, I didn't know you can film like, you know, Matt Damon and Casey Affleck, you know, hanging out in the desert this way or whatever. You know what I mean? But like, uh, you know, jerrying it up. But like, uh, but, you know, I think there when it comes to movies, like I like a movie that feels like a movie. I think there's something to be said for
1: like really considered composition. I know that there's mm-hmm. something for capturing the moment and real in life. Like, we all love Uncut Gems. We love that stuff. Yeah. Um, but a gorgeous composition for me wins. It wins the day. But, yeah. personal taste. Uh, the, speaking of gorgeous compositions, Um, The Godfather was deeply considered, especially for all the mansions and the locations. He uh, Basically visual visually appealing locations with ominous undertones. Yeah. Was the goal, which they accomplished completely. But mm-hmm. then um, once the game begins and Nicholas is out of his zone, they can add different visual elements. Like the I I struck by all like the like the silvers in the in the elevator.
2: Mm. And
1: the fluorescent lights, and the when they even go that black light sequence when his mansion is um, vandalized.
0: Yeah. Oh man, that's so great When you go into it it's like it's like he was vandalized by the Joel Schumacher Batman game. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It crazy.
1: And um, and the movie just kind of builds from there. But they do such a beautiful job. And then also should note um, the magnificent propulsive score from Howard Shore.
0: Yeah. One of the best scores we've covered, uh, uh, you know, on the pod as of late. Like, it's just, like an incredible. Like, it really adds to the whole ominous, dark, brooding, like, you know, paranoia vibe. Howard Schultz is
1: a home run hitter. He's, I think, my favorite
0: composer. Howard Shore? Yeah, yeah.
1: A working, working composer. Oh, uh, for sure. I, I love – I was listening to it, and Jen thought it was very creepy. I was listening to his seven score for weeks – <laughs> After we did the show, so I his, love his, his. I love his Seven Score too.
0: His his The Fly score is so yeah. good. I love all,
1: his... all of the all the Cronenberg stuff. Oh, it's yeah. just phenomenal. You he know he that. wrote
0: he he wrote an opera. He wrote a fly opera.
1: A fascinating, fascinating composer, and he like he raises the game. Like I see his name in the credits, I'm excited. Yeah, like, oh, this is gonna be good.
0: I think he even did, like, the Lord of the Rings score. So, the, he, the, yeah, he's, like, yeah, he did. That's probably yeah. what most of
1: our listeners <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, probably know no, no, no the best.
0: Yeah, so it's, like, it's, like, incredible that, like, yeah, he has such a, um... Especially when you, like, compare him to, like, a Hans Zimmer who, like, I love his score. He's a great composer, but it feels like he's kind of, like, has a specific wheelhouse and he sticks in it. Mm-hmm. I
1: think, like, Howard Shore does do this kind of, like,
0: arch um...
1: Like, I, like, style. Like, it is, like, almost melodramatic. It is big mm-hmm. in its own way. This one's a little more subtle in this, but if you think about his score to seven or Silence of the Lambs or, um, the Cronenberg stuff, it is operatic. Oh, for a sense. sure. But I dig it. Again, like, I like composed shots. It makes you feel like you're watching a fucking movie. It's like, yeah. <laughs> It's like it makes you feel big.
0: Exactly. You know? And it's like, there are, and it's so funny, because, like, you, you, there are people that feel like, um, like I remember like reading like a David Simon interview where he was talking about The Wire and why The Wire didn't have a um, score, like a score, and he was yeah. like, mm, it takes away from the realism. Yeah, exactly. And it's, like, and it's like there are, yeah,
1: there's a balancing act to that, but it's like, I agree. I think that it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. I don't think there's yeah. a right or there's a right or wrong there, but it is like pleasing.
2: Yeah, like it does it,
1: make it feel like like there's nothing like David Simon. I think what you're mad about him is because he in typical david simon fashion there's a right and a wrong he's a he's like moralist. Yeah. he's moralistic about everything I, I and he kind did... of becomes a scold because of it
0: well and it's like yeah and it's like he thinks that like his way is the only way i it, think sometimes. yeah
1: yeah well that's the thing it's like when you're like you think you're taking the high ground you actually just become like a pretentious bit dipshit
0: (laughs) yeah a little bit well it's like yeah i think what he said specifically was like uh like a score tells the audience what to think and and it does uh, it does it's of course it's manipulative
1: but guess what i hate to tell you folks you know movies and tv are manipulative
0: manipulative guess what yeah it's not like the wire
1: (laughs) you are engaging in a you are engaging in an agreement with mm-hmm. the filmmakers to be emotionally manipulated.
0: Yeah. And I say this is a person who loves like David Simons. Yeah. Like like we we're we're like people that like we've often talked about how we should cover like some of his stuff and like, you know, in the but we we like We like
1: and re- we like and respect him. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he he can be a bit of a blowhard too. Oh god. But they all sure. can be I mean that's like it's just kinda you find your blowhard that uh... appeals to you. Mm-hmm. Find your <laughs> inner mean, blowhard. It, it, I made it clear David Fincher is the blowhard that appeals to me. <laughs> yeah,
0: but exactly.
1: I do better on these David Fincher episodes because I know him better. <laughs> he's cool. Yeah, I I, I like him. <laughs> so he's like he's someone I like admire. Um, yeah. Film was edited by James Haygood, who um hmm. was part of the Fincher crew for a spell. Uh also worked on Fight Club and Panic Room. Um noted the credit and did a bunch of videos with him too. Um, I don't know. Yeah. They've uh, haven't worked together for a bit, but definitely in the nineties, eighties, nineties and early two thousands, they were part of it, but I Mm -hmm. also feel it's because Fincher works um, with Angus wall and Kirk Baxter, mostly now on the editorial department and Angus wall was a part of the initial team that did the, um, Seven title sequence.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And kind of built up to the point where, you know, worked with Fincher on Benjamin Button's Zodiac social network and Girl Dragon, 2 until now. But Fincher, like we said, based on availability, works with the same. If he finds a crew that um, fits the bill for what he's looking for, fits his standard, he's actually going to stick with you. He does not want to fuck around. He does not want to hire higher out he does not want to take risks with that he wants a crew that he like he's like neil mccauley in the fucking mm-hmm.
2: heat yeah <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> he wants to, Well, and it, and it seems like in some ways, it's like it, it kind of reminds me of like um it's like he it kind of reminds me of like james cameron a little bit almost where it's like yeah you need someone who can like come up to the plate and yeah plate and like do it but it, but he almost feels a little more um I could be totally wrong. You could call me out if I'm being wrong. Like it feels like he's a little more collaborative even. Like it seems like like people. Oh, I, like, think, he you, is. I yeah. think he
1: is. I think he wants to see what these artisans bring to the table. He wants to challenge them and see if they're up to the challenge. Mm-hmm. And then he wants to see if they're inspired by that. Right. Like the guy he's currently working with is his DP is Eric Messerschmidt, who's oh, a yeah. young guy. He's I think he's like around my age. So, wow. relatively young for being put in the position the, he's in.
0: Yeah, the big boy chair. Yeah. The
1: big boy, yeah, the big boy chair. But it's because he was like a, rigging lights on like Mine Hunter. Wow. And and he was like, I like you. You're, you, like, what else you got?
2: Yeah. And I'm then gonna he had, I'm the, going to
1: challenge you. And then he wins the Academy Award for Mank. Man, you which know? is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's doing, um, you know, his two movies this year, he shot Michael Mann's new movie, Ferrari, and then he's doing David Fincher's The Killer. Shit. That is what a life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just by, I mean. They say the kids don't want to work anymore. <laughs> you know, like, no, no, no. but it's like, but uh, like, that's why another reason why I dig Fincher is like, we've talked about it before. Like, you know, we've made our feelings toward these fake creators. Mm-hmm. Fake jobs, fake CEOs.
2: Right. <laughs> We've
1: we ripped into all the Twitter shit earlier on. Dave Venture's not on Twitter. Dave Venture's working. Yeah. He's building. He's building this shit. You might not like it, but you have to admire. He's like he's doing the he's doing the work. Yeah, he's getting sweaty. Yeah. And he's got and he's found people who will join him on this quest. And that's awesome every every job in america should every job in the world should be like that yes that makes work worth work can be worthwhile but it has yeah. to be inspiring it has to be hard and it has to be like yeah you know, that challenge that makes you feel fucking alive man that makes you come home proud yeah it you want to come home and drink a bottle of wine and dream about something else
0: god yeah for you sure. want to come home and
1: drink a bottle of wine because it's a goddamn celebration
0: yeah. You want every day to be like a rap. you want every night to be like a rap party at the in yeah. the game. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Good call. Good transition, Mr. Transition, Patrick Gramion. Mm. Uh, let's talk about the end. So Nicholas goes down this, like we said, rabbit hole. White rabbit plays because it's not subtle. Uh-
0: <laughs> Very much <a> Zach Snyder-esque. <laughs> Zach
1: Snyder-esque music cue. You
0: know,
2: yeah.
1: uh, Nicholas is take he discovers that James Riphorn is an actor. That's like one of the best moments of the movie. He's, he's, at, he's at dinner with his ex wife. He's been oh, uh, and he goes down. I mean, he gets shot at. He gets thrown in the San Francisco Bay in a taxi. He gets drugged and sent to Mexico, and with no money, and has to figure out how to get back from to San Francisco from Mexico.
0: He has to sell. He has to sell his like family heirloom, heirloom watch. Yeah, to get back. Oh, here, yeah. really fucked up oh, yeah. that he never got that watch back. Just got yeah. kind of, to They should have, Sean Penn should have given him the watch back. Just okay guy.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, what was the
1: guy at the embassy an actor?
2: Hmm. Mm. 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 What <laughs> else?
1: He, but I, I did have to say too when Michael Douglas is munching on that street food taco, I was like, that one, I'm actually getting yeah. into that. That looks pretty good. <laughs> I,
0: like, I like the sweatier, the sweatier, uh, down his luck Douglas. That was a yeah, kind of a fun vibe. Like, kind of like a, like almost like
1: Roy Scheider and Sorcerer. Kind of feel to him at that
0: point. God, yeah, exactly. You do have to expect him to like <laughs> drive with some Bulgarian yeah, man
1: into and... like some nitroglycerin over a mountain. But so he gets <laughs> back, he's got a, he's got, he finds a gun, a hidden gun at his house. He's 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 reached Michael Douglas in falling down mode at God. this point. He. Figures out where he figures out how to track down James Rebhorn. I do love that part towards the beginning. He figures him out through this Chinese restaurant, because James Rebhorn tells him earlier it's like the best Chinese in town, so he must be a good customer. And he sees James Rebhorn's eight by t- signed actor eight by ten headshot on the wall there. He's like, that's the guy. <laughs> um but I do love one of the thing about Michael Douglas's performance, when James Revhorn goes here, hold this, and he hands him the Chinese takeout at the beginning of the movie, <laughs> and the look of pure disgust on yeah. Michael Douglas's face, like this is this, this is gross, poor people food.
0: Like it would Oh.
1: Bravo. Good performance, Mike. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. He is such a great flustered. He's yeah, Scrooge. He is such a good Scrooge well, in this. Because scene. he is the king of eighties, nineties. Master, like, rich, white, boomer dude yeah, whose life is mildly disrupted. And how Mm -hmm. does he deal with it in some way or the other? It's varying degrees of that, which is who Michael Douglas played. I mean, you name it. Fatal Attraction, Disclosure, Wall Street. You know, down the line. Played this guy. Often. Basic Instinct. Just down the line. Black Rain, to an extent. Like... He's playing this guy. Yeah. we gets to the big question, I guess, before we get to the end of the movie. Is he a likable actor? <laughs> He's a good actor. Yeah. Is he likable? And I don't know. But you need this guy. He doesn't really exist in the same way anymore. Because they don't put assholes... They rarely put assholes in big budget, like, mainstream movies anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, in the leading role.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, and it's like, I think, yeah. I think, like... I think he's like a he's like a character we've lost the you love to hate like character you love to hate yeah like we've forgotten that like mentality like we need to, we need to return to that a little bit like well, I it's, think it's, it's audiences or
1: critics maybe it's just people online and critics I'm not even sure if audiences care at the same rate they are so concerned with um, that because I think it gets that question of like oh if I'm watching this am I a good person kind Mm -hmm. of thing which there's so many troubles with that but it makes everyone bland makes everyone completely boring and uninteresting like the last like great realm of that was the tv the tony soprano era yeah tv which ended with i guess walter white
0: although like i think like succession does like a decent job of it a little bit although i feel like yeah i feel like succession is kind of like the last of the of the great, I can't think of any because other. Because now
1: it's just going to be like Lord of the Rings the show,
0: Harry Potter the yeah. show,
1: Age sure of like IP, yeah. Age
0: of IP. It sucks. Age of I, IP. I, boring. I think there should, yeah, it should. There should be like a a rule where like if you make like you can only make one Spider Man every ten years. Like you have to wait ten years. You can't do a new franchise. You have to give it. You have to let it breathe. Yeah, I, know. I
1: know. Well, that's what that's what killed the Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, now it's like, what, Star, Star Wars isn't special. No, special, not at all. It's special before. There were three of them.
0: Yeah. You know? Now there's like a thousand. there's too much. You throw a rock, you hit a Star Wars scene. Yeah, I know. I just don't. Oh, well, what's that? Oh, I tripped to Star Wars. Oh, God. It is like, yeah, it is like 10-year-old me, like, wished on a monkey's paw. It does so, feel like yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
1: basically, to get to the end of the movie, so... He makes James Redhorn take him to CRS. He wants to like figure out what's going on. He gets in, and we get this wonderful moment where they burst into the cafeteria at CRS, hmm. and we discover every single person Michael Douglas has met over the last hour and fifty minutes that in would this make room me
0: having so, lunch. Good stuff. I'd be so mad. I'd be so it's mad.
1: A, yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's
0: it's really good. It is really it's, good.
2: Oh, at this so... point,
0: you're like, where are we going? This is gonna be amazing. We're yeah. <laughs> Well, it's like I love that. Like Mark Boone Jr., his character sees him and immediately flips the fuck out and yeah. runs away. <laughs> that rules.
1: And she and he sees Christine, the girl having having lunch with Tommy Flanagan.
2: <laughs> yeah, the guy who threw him into <laughs> a <laughs> fucking taxi. taxi.
1: Everybody's there. The rich guys he met at the club who told him how CRS is going to change his life. They're all there. But then, oh, hell breaks loose. These these like goons come in with machine guns james revhorn gets gunned down when did he put on the squibs i don't know don't ask too many questions no 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 no. they go they go to the roof they're on the roof of the building it's san francisco it looks beautiful he's got christine with him he pulls out the gun she's like it's a real gun don't do anything and like they're trying to break down the door to the roof door breaks open. Michael Douglas fires a gunshot. Guess who's leading the way out the door? It's Sean Penn, his brother in a tux. <laughs> Sean Penn gets blasted. He's dead. Yeah. Oh, no. James Redhorn's there where Squibb's like, he's dead. Oh, God. And everyone's like, it became real. Michael Douglas is crestfallen. So he yeah. does the. he does <laughs> what anyone would do. He just takes a walk right off the edge of this building. Like, I'm done. I am done. The effect is great. I watched some of the behind the scenes. It's a really wonderful combined stunt CG kind of sequence. They do oh, pulling sure. a guy up and down on some ropes to do the fall and everything.
2: The it fall looks great. great.
1: Yeah. It looks, it, it's um, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. He falls directly through the roof of this other building, this glass roof, comes down through and we realize he's landing in this elegant ballroom. And there's this huge air mattress thing. Airbag. Jesus Christ. For him to fall. He lands. X marks the spot. All of his coworkers. All of his friends. His ex-wife. They're all there. I hate it. What the hell? No. The EMTs, including Spike Jones is one of the EMTs, pull him out. He stands up. (laughs) Sean Penn comes up with fake blood all over his... Shirt. He's got a shirt that says Oh, I got drugged and deported to Mexico and all I got was this stupid t-shirt. Michael Douglas bursts into tears. He gives Sean Penn a hug. You've changed my life, Sean! No! This is not the reaction! Celebrating. Cue the Glenn Miller big band. Yeah. It's champagne time. The actors are all there. James Rebhorn does a dance that's worth seeing if you haven't seen it before. It's good. Such a good dance. He's he so much a, fun. He clears a dance
0: floor like he's Elaine on Seinfeld. Um, I, I genuinely wish that James Rebhorn got to play more goofy characters after seeing he, this. Um, just an
1: actor's actor. A tip of the cap again to him. I hope. I, I'm guessing we'll probably see him in another movie at some point here soon. But hundred oh, um, percent. A wonderful actor gone too soon, as well. <laughs>
2: Mm-hmm.
1: sadly died almost 10 years ago um but uh a very very fun actor who really makes a meal out of uh this 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 film I would oh, say for
0: sure yeah
1: and this role uh, he gets it he gets that there could be humor here that this is kind of absurdist mm-hmm. this entire movie. So Michael Douglas has learned a valuable lesson about something. <laughs> Not entirely certain. Yeah. He, uh, Sean Penn and him like, high five, what's up, But They get the bill. Sean Penn signs for it, but then he's like, I'm going to need like a loan from you, my rich brother. It's like...
0: God damn it, dude. <laughs> because like,
1: he... I, I get it. Like This movie's budget is $70 million. Mm-hmm. It was the cost of this movie. I wouldn't be surprised if the bill for this CRS thing was $70 million. A uh, yeah, well, it's like there's so many moving parts. It's... yeah
2: do fucking they, yeah, crazy like,
1: and if you try and think about it too hard it's more mind-melting than the story of this movie It's like yeah the, how do they work this out with like the San Francisco Police Department to do all these bits like the car stunts and the machine guns and stuff like that on the San
0: and Francisco streets the drugging and taking him to Mexico and that working seems with the border illegal. and working with the border people and that
1: kind of There are too many A lot of and, movies. so this I don't believe in conspiracy theories, large-scale conspiracy theories, like the deep state and that kind of thing. Deep state is much more of a banality of evil, just agreement to keep capitalism moving
2: for, yeah, the, sake, it, for
1: the sake of a few more than a lot. It isn't some like planned-out scheme. Like mm-hmm. I always, Like about sports, it's like, how can you throw a football game? You have to get hundreds of people on board. To do the same thing to ruin something that they have worked for for their entire lives, yep, not gonna happen. Mm-mm. Not gonna happen. There are too many moving pieces for this conspiracy to work. Oh, a hundred percent. Well, and it's like when you're employing like a quarter of the city of San Francisco to be actors. Yeah, in this, in you, this you, one you're, game,
0: you're like synecdocheing this new yorking yeah. this guy it's just it's so you're making like this little play within a play it's so I think just...
1: that's why we kind of confuse this movie with a sci-fi movie because it seems so far-fetched to pull mm-hmm. it off that's why the matrix is actually two years later a much more successful movie with a similar kind of like your life isn't real it's all a game kind
0: of deal right. well and it's like I think like I think what the screenwriters it's cause I think like the craziest thing to me too is the fact that like michael douglas responds so well to like like he goes through all this stuff and then i get maybe it's just because he he thought he killed his brother and he's alive and so that like that joy like allows him to kind of like let like you know relax and let loose or whatever i don't know it is just like it is just it's a lot to it's a lot to chew on for sure it's crazy yeah it is and it's kind of maybe a battle between the original
1: screenwriter's vision of kind of this like high concept almost sci-fi script with fincher and andrew kevin walker's clear goals to do a like parallax view clute 70s conspiracy type picture
0: it is so it is such an interesting clashing of uh, uh, sensibilities because it is just like i think there is the version that is just like it's purely a sci-fi type they're like almost sci-fi light or whatever and then there is, like, the other version that's like, oh, there is, like, a conspiracy going on that you have. Yeah. To, yeah.
1: I mean, if you look at Fincher's influences, like, one of the things Adam Naiman kind of calls him out on is that Fincher is not, like, a Tarantino or Paul Thomas Anderson level, like, deep cut cinephile. Fincher's tastes are the movies he grew up on, which are basically, like, a combination of, like, the 70s downbeat, like, All the President's Men, Days of Heaven style movies, and then, like, fucking Jaws and Star Wars. I mean that's like, enough. That's like, that's enough. Like, Come yeah, on, yeah, those like are good. Cool. all good. You don't need to really. T- I mean, you're making Hollywood. He wants to make Hollywood movies, man. He's not trying to like win the Cannes Film Festival. He wants to make, yeah, exactly. Let's make bangers, man. This he's yeah. he's got a commercial eye.
0: Yeah, yeah, fuck. Like who says that? Like yeah, I'm sorry. He hasn't watched every, um, you know, Jean Luc Godard film in the canon. You know, just yeah, let him. It, yeah,
1: he doesn't need to. He doesn't need yeah, to.
0: It's fine. Yeah.
1: Nicholas is in high spirits. Mm-hmm. Everyone he's ever wronged in his life is like, "Nah, you're great, you're terrific,
2: it's all good, everything's fine, good. yeah, everything's great. We're
1: all rich." That was, <laughs> that was that was crazy. Let's get back to like um, shoveling shit on poor people.
0: God, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's get back to like uh, ruining mom and pop uh, uh, b- publishing companies or whatever. I
1: know who's all cool with him too. Armin yeah. Mueller-Stahl's like, yeah, that's cool, dude."
0: Like, I, I, I'm going to go back to Seattle
1: and go back to my ruined publishing company that you ruined. <laughs> I, mean, I think, like, they, God, there's such an opportunity in this movie to, like, take a bite out of rich people that I think is a little missed.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's just like, it just feels, it's like the same way how, like, the end of Don Giovanni, like, Don Giovanni gets dragged to hell. And then after that happens, that big moment in that—sorry for spoiling the opera Don Giovanni for anyone. Who you was like, yeah, son of a bitch! <laughs> sorry, but uh, but in the end of that, after like the main, after the titular character gets dragged to hell, all the um, the rest of the cast like comes out and they just sing a song about how like you should be a pious Christian or this will happen to you. It's like one of those, and it's just like it feels so like off tone compared to the rest of the of the the rest of the of the uh, the art we have just witnessed. Mm-hmm. And it has, this has, like, kind of, like, that same, like, weird, like, vibe where it's, like, we just watch this guy, like, you know, descend into madness, into chaos and madness, and, like, near and ostensibly he thought he'd lost everything and was going to lose the ultimate thing, his life, but then, yeah. like, yeah, but then, like, yeah, everything's hunky-dory afterwards. Yeah, and I, I guess, guess it's, weird. like,
1: the, that is the big question, so, like, what happens in the movie is that he... Wants to know where Deborah Carronger with, and he has known her as Christine. Then she reveals herself to be Claire, but he's not mm-hmm. entirely certain. He catches her; she's go- catching a cab to the next game, which is going to be taking place in Australia. Her next gig. She's an actor. He invites her to dinner when she gets back, but she said, "Hey, I want to grab coffee now." And he, he like looks around, and then the Jeff Q, the Jefferson airplane, and that's it. Uh, on the Blu-ray, there's an alternate ending. And I was really yeah. excited. I was like, ooh. Was it kind of a wild one? Was it, we were kind of hoping that he ends up dead. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. Like, some sort of big swing that maybe something that just didn't seem audience pleasing. Right. It's nothing. He leaves. He doesn't go to her and he just walks down the street. That was all they had. Wow. And it's it's tough because you reach this like crescendo, like you were saying with like you know you get to that, like you kick ass on the second beat of a herald, mm-hmm. and you know you have to go in. You've like rocked it. You've heightened. You've done every step. Right. And you have to go in for that third beat. And you have to like how do we bring it all together? How do we tie this shit? How do we bring into the other scenes like? Some like best case scenario, some of the best ones I've ever seen mm-hmm. just evolves to chaos. Yeah, like it's funny though, it, <laughs> it's yeah, funny. It, like
0: it, it heightens to a point that's uh insane, like it's just like it's like heightening to the point of like ridiculousness in a, in a, in a, in a positive way, or if it's
1: too clean, you're like, Oh, that was a well played game, but not very funny.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Tough stuff for the improv heads out there. Mm-hmm. That was that we'll, we'll dedicate that uh, description mm-hmm. to Cozy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the um, so you're between a rock and a hard place, and so like a couple other movies that I put in line with this movie are the usual suspects mm. and the prestige. Oh, yeah, and I think actually prestige holds this exact same place in the Christopher Nolan canon that the game holds in the david fincher canon yeah it is at least a handful of people's absolute favorite movie Mm -hmm. in their catalog Mm -hmm. but it's also one that like is kind of the forgotten not as discussed one
0: yeah it doesn't have like a, a big ip behind it or like a or a as rabid and large as a they have a rabid fan base but it's not as large and you know um you know uh Looming as like mm. you know the fan bases of their other features for sure, and they're both ones that
1: their their smaller fan bases will absolutely corner you at a party and tell you why it's the best movie that they have, that those specific filmmakers have ever made.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I will tell you in that same corner, it's actually among my least favorite movies that these filmmakers, who are among my favorites, have ever made because they're too fucking complicated.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're a
0: little they're a little too complicated, and maybe they're a little too like um you know, they're like, well, haven't I done this smart thing? Haven't I done this little like... Yeah, uh... exactly.
1: A little too yeah, clever for their own clever. good. A
0: little too like, oh, no, you know. And so the reason
1: Usual Suspects works is because it has an all-time twist. It's the exact same thing. It's all in service of this twist of an insane ending, and my guess is Christopher McQuarrie worked backwards. Gotcha. If the game had come up with a twist, like, seven. Had come up with a crazy ending, then worked backwards and did all the beats. Mm. Probably would have been in a better spot. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because all mechanics, I think the prestige has better ending. By the way, which I won't yeah. reveal because we, we we might cover the prestige someday.
0: Yeah. Oh, we'll do a Nolan something and some some rather or a one the, thing. One of something. those
1: people. One of those people. They'll yeah. Will up, but uh, I just don't think this this doesn't have an ending. So here we go or a satisfying ending. Yeah. You don't buy that he has changed or is no. a better person because there's been no real reason for him to become a better person. There's the no movie.
0: Yeah, there's no like he just went through like a it's just like he goes through like the worst thing ever and then like
1: moral moral clarity is not what we expect, desire nor is it
0: earned. Yeah, exactly. We don't even 100%. want it. We don't
1: even want it as an audience. We don't care about that.
0: No, we want this guy to be like, like it would have been, It genuinely would have been more satisfying had the ending ended with him shooting Sean Penn, like for real, in my shooting, opinion. Shooting
1: Sean Penn, shooting Christine, shooting himself. All yeah. of those are on the table.
0: Exactly. Or like, you know, not getting just something. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, it's so the movie, the, the neatness of the ending is not justified in any capacity.
1: Indeed. And in, yeah, it is not, it doesn't, there's nothing earned about it whatsoever, so we got a couple pitches for mm-hmm. possible alt The geniuses here at the Academy Academy are going to come in and save the game. A movie yeah. <laughs> that is a success in all measures, money-wise, longevity, cult following. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe he doesn't need our help, but he, he doesn't need our Why help, not? but we're going to help out anyway. So my first yeah. pitch is a um, th- to go with the conspiracy angle. Mm-hmm. Which is a simple one. Nicholas needs... I think that this movie could have needed an arch-villain. The Wizard of Oz character. Yes. Someone at the end of the rainbow to confront. James Redhorn is fine, but we need... He's a yes-man in the organization. Sean Panis doesn't fit the bill either. Christine does not fit the bill either. We needed one more character Mm -hmm. to do this.
0: Need like a Ted Levine, like someone with like a
1: scary grav- real gravitas. Ned Beatty in yeah. network or something like that.
0: Exactly. Here's
1: the deal, though. Here's my pitch. We have to go to the top of this building, the mm-hmm. main office. Go through some paperwork. What Michael Douglas discovered is CRS is a shell company that is owned by nicholas van orton himself he's so fucking rich he doesn't know all the companies he owns no! he owns crs he was the boss the entire time then he could put the gun to his head or something like that
0: yeah
1: he would yeah. fire himself yeah. yeah yeah exactly that's the big twist the villain was the rich guy all along it was him he is oh. himself the villain he caused the game on himself in some labyrinth way
0: uh, never self-game that's uh
1: yeah i like uh, so, yeah because i of course i'm gonna go with the rich guy as the the ultimate villain yeah um and i like that like he brought it on himself now he knows what it is what it feels like to be fucked over by the rich
0: yeah well it's like and it would work too because like he is like such a he's a level of rich where like he he doesn't know where his money is going to. He doesn't yeah. know how he made. Just he's at a point where just money naturally just accrues because it's that big. Well,
1: and that's one of the themes of the movie is that when he does lose, he does not. He money is just he doesn't think about it. No, there's no, there's no meaning to him whatsoever. It's <laughs> just a given. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's, I think that's a fascinating like thing to come dive in on.
0: I would, yeah, it'd be yeah, it'd be fascinating to see. Like, yeah, it'd be so much fun to see him. Yeah, be the, be the uh, uh the uh, the victim of his own uh monetary ignorance.
1: Yes, love it, love yes. it. There's an idea.
0: What do you got? <laughs> uh, see, I was thinking like, so one thing I think I love about this movie is it does occasionally like work as like a pitch black, like pitch black, like dark darkness of a black hole comedy, which we've
1: talked about. Dave Fincher is actually quite good at
0: yeah i think he has like a mean he has just a very mean comedic streak to him yeah it is does. uh yeah it's not for everyone but it's like if you can vibe on that like on that wavelength you're gonna have a good time and i think if this movie i think this movie would be like in the ending that it has would be uh a little more palatable if it was just like 25 if like if they if they just like Instead of having it be like a super serious gritty, which don't get me wrong, love it, love the love the serious scary '70s uh, energy of it, but I think it'd be really fun. It's like a comedy. I think it would be like an interesting having this guy like increasingly get harried by this insane game where like you know the TV talks to him at certain points. Like we we forget to like mention that like oh yeah the thing that happens there yeah like the fucking, very like cool the toward
1: the top the newscaster oh, yeah, mat- starts talking to him.
0: So it's like, yeah, which is like, did they get, like, this newscaster to be in all this? The
1: real newscaster is Daniel Shore, who, um, one of the most interesting things about, he, um, was on Nixon's enemy list. And he was reporting against Nixon. So, again, another, like, all the president's men kind of 70s kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it is, like, such a 70s all the, but, like, yeah, but, like, if you, like, um... There would just be so much, like, room for, like, because, like, it's fun to, I think, you know, that's, like, it's, like, a snobs versus slobs thing where, like, it's fun to see a snob get slobified a bit. It's fun to see a guy, like, get hoisted by his own petard. And if they lean into that more comedic element of it, I think that would be, I don't know, it'd be, like, a really fun...
1: It becomes, um, like, Scorsese's After Hours. Ooh. Where it becomes an insane, like, nightmare, but also, like, dark nightmare comedy about driven into the dark night of the city. With all of these, like, lunatic characters driving you along.
2: Yeah. Which right? you, and, you can't, and, you can't and you're tell. kind of
1: like, you become, ha- like, this hapless pawn that's just being thrown around in the river of, uh, you know, absurdity.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's just, yeah, uh, exactly. And then, uh, and then the other thing I was thinking, too, is, like, he should just be insane by the end of it. It should just be, like, it should end. It should straight up, this movie should straight up end, like, The Aviator, where yeah. he's just mumbling to himself, but he's getting, like... Taken away, like it is. They just cut like...
1: to like CRS setting up the next game <laughs> against, like, and like, yeah, or like Russell Crowe shows up as the next rich guy oh, to, be take, man. to be taken, or God. something like that.
0: Yeah, this there's like a version of this movie. Like, imagine like if like a Terry Gilliam had this script.
1: Yeah, like I think maybe yeah, a more fantastical director, like a little Wilder guy. Yeah, it's like like we said, but then it wouldn't have gotten into like the neat like control freak element. Yeah, that, that is, is true.
0: And, and, and it's so funny because like I like this movie a lot. It is like a really good and it's well.
1: Just like, the ending isn't satisfying.
0: Yeah, that's literally the yeah. only problem with it. Is it just it drops? It fumbles at the very. It's just it doesn't feel earned. Like in the yeah. In a, yeah, it's tough. It's tough.
1: So my pitch is a really simple. Could have done it on the day, Dave. Could have mm. done on the day. Yeah. You know, right? Switch up that dialogue a bit. So all this has happened. Douglas turns on Christine in this sense when he's talking mm-hmm. to her in the cab, and what's revealed is that the game is not over. That that was a fl- that was another red herring. Him falling God. through the ceiling and the paying the bill and the stuff with Sean Penn and she's gonna take him to like Australia
2: mm-hmm. on the
1: next stage of the game. No. But he's now kind of in on it, and in a perverted, almost sexually perverse kind of way, he's yeah. into it. He, like, likes, yeah, it. he yeah. likes it. It's he likes like, it. He likes
0: it. He's totally gone the other. Like, it's become so bad that it's good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then the... you you have white rabbit do the entire thing all over again but he's into it we show him hopping into the cabin going on the next adventure this is how he's gonna waste all of his money the rest of his life you call it like like you said earlier it's ed harris in Westworld. yeah it's i'm too into the game i well, love and it's, the game i'm gonna find it, the end of the game like that yeah
0: oh for sure well and it's like he's so like yeah, it's like him realizing like the high he gets from jumping off and surviving. That he's never
1: there's no business transaction that will ever reach that. He's got infinite income to yeah. continue to play the game. Yeah. And and like run his business.
0: And this is the only way he can feel anything now, too. Yes. Like it is Yeah, that's yeah. there we go. Yeah. That's yeah. truly like God, and when two, you... all you gotta do is rewrite the
1: that last sequence and you're there.
0: And you're done, yeah, because it's like you look. He's, oh, God, he's I- a sicko.
1: He's just a sicko now.
0: Yeah, well, and it works so perfectly because you look at his life, and his life was so like devoid yeah. of any, like you know, on his birthday, he's eating a shitty burger by himself in his like hit in his in his living room in this dark Scrooge, and so like finally now He's for, like, the-
1: out with this hot blonde mysterious lady getting shot at.
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, we should go back in time. We got to tell Finch. We got to tell yeah. the Finch man. We gotta
1: it's, go, guys. It, it's simple, dude. Make him a sicko, and you could still do like that's still a critique of how empty the lives are. Yeah, these people who have everything and that kind of thing that they have to become these sickos.
0: Yeah, and it's a and it's a classic. Like this is like a classic thing where like you know it's like the purge or whatever where yeah. it's like it, it's like yeah the only way these like rich sickos can feel anything because their lives they've lost they've been stripped of everything that provides them. You know, real meaning and pleasure as they've climbed their way to the top. That's why he's eating an
1: alien burger. He doesn't even know what a real burger, like the taste of a delicious, juicy, real burger would be. Yeah!
0: He's forgotten the way of the burger! He needs to...
1: (laughs) That's the subtitle to our entire show, The Way of the Burger. (laughs) The
0: Way of the Burger. (laughs) (laughs) The Academy Academy, The Way of the Burger. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I think that that would be such a, like, nice, cynical dark satisfying tie like way to tie the bow
2: Mm -hmm.
1: oh for sure it's actually not that hard does not require that much more thinking in or like editing of the script or anything like that (laughs) like i think like it's an easy way to show him but i think like making up with his brother being morally sound finding a better life and then even asking her out on like what i took as service value was a genuine date mhm yeah nah.
0: nah. it, also like why the fuck is Deborah caring like she's like they just take like, it she, makes she, no she, sense. she knows this guy sucks yeah yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it is, but uh, yeah, no, still a fun movie. though. I think it's worth the watch for sure.
1: Absolutely. So the game was released as we mentioned on September twelfth, nineteen ninety seven. Grossed fourteen point mm. three million. Its opening weekend went on to gross forty eight point three million in North America, mm. uh, and sixty one point one million across the rest of the world for a worldwide total of one hundred nine point four million. Uh, Criterion Collection released it on Laserdisc in nineteen ninety seven, wow. featuring many of the features. That were ported over to the Blu ray in 2012. Um, 70 million, 109 million, fine. Not astronomical like seven, but fine. Uh, Currently has a 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. For the critical consensus rates, the ending could use a little work, but this is otherwise another sterling example of David Fincher's iron grip on atmosphere and storytelling. Mm-hmm. hell we just spent an hour and 45 minutes telling you that exact same sentence <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll leave show notes so you can just skip to this one line skip to that one line and, yeah, you, you've he yeah. uh,
1: gave it three and a half stars oh. praising michael douglas is the right actor for the role he can play smart he can play cold he can play angry he is also subtle enough that he never arrives at an emotional plateau before the film does and never overplays the process of his inner change. I don't buy that he has an inner change. But other than that, that's fine.
0: Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it's well, and it's like one of those things, too, where, like, uh, that's not Douglas's fault. Like, he, there's no actor no. that could evoke that type of a change so instantaneously <laughs> in a believable fashion. Uh,
1: Richard Corliss of Time wrote: uh, "Fincher's style is so handsomely oppressive, and Douglas's befuddlement is so cagey that for a while the film recurs recalls smarter excursions into heroic paranoia, *The Parallax View* or *Total Recall*." Mm. uh owen gleeman no. of entertainment weekly wrote emotionally there's not much at stake in the game can nicholas orton be van orton be saved but michael douglas is the perfect actor to occupy as the center of a crazed rube goldberg thriller the movie has the wit to be playful about its own manipulations even as it exploits them for maximum pulp impact mm. um peter travers of rolling stone wrote Fincher's effort to cover up the plot holes is all the more noticeable for being strained. The game has a sunny redemptive side that ill suits Fincher and ill suits audiences that share his former affinity for loose ends hauntingly left untied. Peter Travers astutely calls that David Fincher should have been allowed to let his uh, freak flag fly <laughs> going much, uh, much nastier, frankly Yeah. with this film. Um, Here's a couple of retrospect thoughts for you, Patrick. Um, Michael Douglas said, I think that I'm most proud of about it is that it's one of the very few movies you cannot guess the ending. That's why I'm such a big sports fan. With sports, you can never guess what's going to happen. Most movies, you get halfway through and you kind of guess the ending. The game, you never figure out where the ending is going to be. David Fincher is a very talented filmmaker. It's an extremely tough shoot. It was long, full of nights. I thought it was a very well-made picture, very unpredictable, and I do hear... That picture, when I talk about movies that I've made, that people have liked a lot. Hmm. Um, David Fincher later admitted in interviews, he was not very proud of the movie. Explaining his working relationship with his wife, longtime producer Sean Chaffin, The filmmaker said he discusses his projects with her, and they'll often disagree. She was extremely vociferous, for instance, when when she said, don't make the game. And in my hindsight, my wife was right. We didn't figure out the third act, and it was my fault. Because I thought if you could just keep your foot on the throttle, it would be liberating and funny.
0: Funny. Interesting.
1: (laughs) Goes with his dark sense of humor. Yeah. And
0: I think, um,
1: you know, I think this movie gets 95% of the way there.
0: Yeah, it's like, it's so... It's so close. I think yeah, and, I think what you And you're said... willing
1: to forgive it for that. That's why I've watched it a million times. Cause you are willing to forgive it. Because like the machinations, the style, the performances. Yeah. The intrigue. It's all there. It's fun. It's a good oh, yeah.
0: time. Oh, for sure. Well, and also like all the like the work that clearly went into it, the like it just it just it truly feels like, yeah, it is like when you said that um what they're doing feels like they're making a movie or whatever, as annoying as that would be, if that was the only thing to take away from it, there is some truth like, yeah, you, the scope of it's just incredible. It, feel, it feels incredible watching it. it.
1: It's And there are shots like any budding filmmaker out there like to me, it's like, geez, this is this is, this is just gorgeous. And it's so well done. It's so well crafted. And mm-hmm. yeah, script isn't totally there. It doesn't have the full-blooded satisfactions of Seven. Doesn't no. have it isn't his humor. Doesn't have the ironic, nasty sense of humor, some of his other movies get to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But there's a lot to be taken from this movie. There's a lot of joys to be found in this movie, and yeah, Academy Academy recommendation. If you yeah. haven't seen it, like Patrick. I was like overjoyed when I texted. I was like, "Have you seen it?" He's like, "No." I was like, "That is, I am envious."
0: Yeah, the twists it was...
1: turns. You're gonna go down.
0: I was like, yeah. I was uh, I was watching it late at night. I was texting Don. I was like, oh man, it would suck to be this guy. I don't want to be this. (laughs) I can feel Patrick's panic when he like, he he sucks. Like (laughs) I don't like this. But it's like it's great. It's like a it's like a roller coaster ride or something where it's like I don't I get like the fun of it is like being in this guy's shoes and realizing how nightmarish it would be. Like that is like yeah you you get you get you get with some freaky kicks
1: from that. It's great. For all the guff, too, Michael Douglas is perfectly cast. He's the right guy. Oh, he's, part, so g- he's so completely.
0: He's so good. As much as uh, the Kyle as as um, enter- as intriguing as a Kyle McLaughlin McLaughlin Mac- mm. uh, as that would he, him as that character would be, like Douglas is like the perfect.
1: He's no fit. other guy. No, no other, other guy. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it goes to show, like casting's ninety percent of the job. David Fincher does a good job with casting
0: yeah everyone's perfectly cast in this film it's yeah truly yeah great stuff it is yeah it's a good it's a good time good time good time at the popcorn gallery folks yeah
1: soda classic if you ask me
0: oh yeah three out of three out of three sodas three out of three sodas we go <laughs> <to> three scale <laughs> yeah <laughs> a three scale soda ranking <laughs> and so it wasn't
2: soon
1: after this that david fincher was presented with the opportunity of directing his next picture which is the
0: looming oh man
1: long you know i mean a movie that you know a lot of kind of a minefield around this movie and has been for over 20 years Mm -hmm. of course 1999's fight club Mm -hmm. which will be the next david fincher movie we discuss i'm looking forward taking another look at that i haven't seen it for a few years
0: Mm-hmm. I watched um, it in college a couple times, I feel like that was like the last time I watched it and it's a, it's a great movie. It's good. last it's good. time
1: I saw it was on a double bill at the new Beverly with The Matrix, which was a hell of a night at the wow. at the movie house.
0: That is that is like 6 out of 6. So, so six, yeah, six out of 6. I drank 6 sodas of horseman,
1: man. I was great. What a <laughs> yeah. night. Like perfectly <laughs> the two movies that 1999 a major movie year but perhaps the two movies that perfectly encapsulate the time, the pre y2k times the matrix and fight yeah. club um we will get into fight club though in a few few weeks um you know, you know our schedule it's it's a, speaking of a Borgesian labyrinth yeah. the schedule of this <laughs> of this podcast <laughs> it's a regular library of babel I know when you said when you texted me about American Gangster last night, I was like, "The schedule is perfect. We cannot mess with the schedule." James no, I like, was like you should probably just do American Gangster and Body Lies, flip them. I'm like, no, it's organized the way it is for a reason. It, it has to
0: be done this proper way, or else everything falls apart. The game
1: must be released at the end of April. <laughs> uh, so uh. next week on the show. Uh, we will be covering a Ridley Scott double feature of global and local crimes
2: <laughs> with mm. um,
1: with 2007's American Gangster and 2008's Body of Lies. Can you believe he made these movies back
0: to back in less than like a year? Insane. When one of those movies is nearly three flipping hours long, or at least the extended yeah. cut. And Body of Lies is like not an easy, not an easy mm. movie to make. Like, no, there's a lot of moving pieces like both of those movies yeah. from a technical standpoint are very accomplished for sure. Yes. Uh, I saw both these movies upon
1: release mm-hmm. and have not seen either of them since. I noticed that, uh, boy, let's not get into spoiler territory, but you have seen them both already.
2: Oh, and, yeah, I saw
1: uh,
0: almost almost as if I, uh, <laughs> I almost ruined this perfect, this perfect Borgesian Portuguese- <laughs> <laughs> the maze that Don that Don had to uh, create
1: our maze through <laughs> middle brow blockbuster cinema like <laughs> oh
0: god yeah like the the, the past we're going on yeah. all this 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 the Scott Scott the way that like the tributaries of Fincher and Fuqua
1: I almost dude I oh boy let us know actually on um the academy academy podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at the academy academy. if you'd like to do this I this morning considered adding Spike Jones.
0: Oh man! I mean, We're I'd do it. Make sense. Here, here. What about this? Anyone, if you want us, anyone, if you want us to cover Spike Jones, if you send us a tweet or a an email, we will a hundred percent do it. But you
2: have and to be the one that gets us to do the it. The
1: Academy,
0: Academy, promise. It only
1: takes one. It only takes one of you.
2: Literally, There's just literally one.
1: one.
0: Yeah, shit. If you want us to cover uh, the works of Adam Shankman, the director, bring down the house. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I don't know about that. that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we need to go. We don't need to. I don't think we need to go down that rabbit hole. again.
1: There's a line. The Academy Academy will
0: not cross. Yeah, it's the Shankman mark. The Shankman (laughs) mark. (laughs) The
2: Shankman mark.
0: We've, we've we've already tripped the boo fantastic one, so I don't think we need to do that again. Yeah, uh,
1: but even if you're a friend of the show and you have one of our individual phone numbers, text us, and we'll do. That's how close we are to doing Spike Jones. He's only made like four movies. He barely works.
2: Oh um, yeah,
0: we can do that in like what two pods? Easy. But he, he uh, I
1: was just thinking about it because he's in the game, and Fincher's in being John
2: Malkovich,
1: and Spike Jones was like a propaganda, like music video.
0: It King. makes sense. It, yeah. it it actually it actually fits. I mean, shit, we'll probably just end up doing it anyways. We'll think we'll think on we'll it. We'll think but about if, it. Yeah. If
1: you really want it, we'll add it cuz being John Malkovich would need to be done soon. Uh anyway, next week, American Gangster, Body of Lies, American Gangster is currently but not for long on Amazon Prime. I see it leaves at the end of April, so actually it might be watch it uh when you hear this ender yeah. tag, I guess, cuz I I'm going to have to squeeze it in myself. And Body a Lot, but American Gangster is very available to rent, Mm -hmm. and it's on. Oh uh, yeah, it's a 4K. This is this is a staple.
0: I think this movie has its fans. I think it does. I believe
1: it does. Yeah. And then uh, Body a Lies, it can be rented through all of the normal providers. It's also on Blu-ray, all those kind of deals. Uh, The week after that, more Ridley Scott, more Russell Crowe, 2010s. Robin Hood boy Mm -hmm. here's an interesting one I have not seen this movie I skipped it it was a skipper in 2010 for me
0: I know it it looks yeah I I, it felt very um generic yeah yeah Yeah. and so uh, but I'm after seeing so much Scott I'm like definitely curious I'm I'm
1: pumped I'm actually quite pumped for this one
0: I wonder if do you think there's a god I just looked at the runtime Do you want me to tell you what it is I'm Hundred and sixty-four minutes. Uh, I mean, honestly, a little bit, one hundred and forty. Okay, that's better. It's, a little yes, bit better. A little bit better. Although I am curious if there is like some insane. There might be like some insane director's cut. That's like they're probably five.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> oh god, knowing Ridley. We yeah. talked about it before. We'll talk about it again.
2: The Redster. Uh,
1: Robin Hood, though, is available. Can be rented through all the services. Is available on disc all the way to four K. If you if you've advanced to the four K. Ah. But I think the I, my guess is Robin Hood is another dad classic kind of fits yeah. the bill. Like like the ones that seem to make 4K seem to be for 40 plus year old dads who are still buying like gear stuff like that
0: yes that is a hundred people that would uh if radio shack was still a thing they'd be frequently frequenting radio shack demanding to speak with like kevin the assistant manager's manager at radio shack yeah someone who has opinions on transistors
1: yeah exactly what you don't you don't
0: work on radios mm, you don't have a pirate radio station
1: you don't have a cb call sign
0: <laughs>
1: they call me big orange Big orange, big orange, <laughs> big orange. What does it mean? What do you think? Whoa, that's <laughs> Whoa. There's some ambiguity. Oh <laughs> no! Oh no! Yeah, you get if you get a call on the call sign, Patrick, you're in the game. Oh no! What if this episode was just like the game itself? I what if the game was just starting. Like you've been rejected from the game, but you're in the game.
0: No, see, I'm, should I'm just check be to the see game. if your bank accounts have been frozen? I'd be so pissed. I'd be so mad. I would, Don, if you gave me, don't game I, me. I, I'm getting you a
1: birthday gift this year. It is just your birthday. You <laughs> no, no. You I just need to take you, I, you need to just take just 48 hours worth of tests. Don't be bothered. By the way, it's not their simple test, though. But you got to be uh, at this office for 48 hours.
0: All right. You know what? I, I guess I have 48 hours to spare. All right. This one time. This one time I'll do this. All right. We're going to put you on this machine <laughs> to go jog for 30 minutes. <laughs> See, I think I texted this to Don. I think if I did all the game tests, they'd just send me like a, a, a pack of Uno cards. So I think they'd be like, OK, this is like this is what you want. This is your. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, like, what happens when you don't pass the game test?
1: Maybe it's already happened to us. Mm. Oh please, I'd be so happy. That's a test I want to fail. I don't want to take that test. <laughs> it's um, it's a uh, trying out for Harold Knight. Is at uh, UCB. It's the first game.
0: Test. Yeah, that is the first game to. If you make it to Harold, you make, you, if that, you make it to Harold. You're in the game. You think? Does that mean that like Mike Mitchell's whole life has just been an elaborate gay game? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh Mike. Yeah. Well,
1: sorry, sorry, Doughboys. Sorry, Comedy Bang Bang. It's all been a. <laughs> Open an <laughs> elaborate game. So for, pa- for Patrick, I'm Don. We're going on a sad note. We're all in the game. Oh no! That's the thing. That's actually the thing. though. before I go, the simulation that are that dumbasses like Elon Musk think is out there is so complicated. It's much closer to the game than the Matrix. Hate to tell you, yeah. folks. Hate Sorry. To- Sorry. <laughs>
2: it's- <Yeah>. it's-
1: <laughs> it sucks. It sucks way more.
0: Yeah, not not as a uh, sci-fi cool. Apologies.
1: Yeah, it's not a yeah, sci-fi cool. It's just a lot. It's just it's just a lot of bullshit with a huge bill at the end.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's life. Life is life isn't a Bill K Dick novel. It's a Ferris Brancato script. <laughs> Indeed. So for Patrick, I'm Don. We will see you next week on the Academy Academy. Oh man, I just lost the game. <laughs>